Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, Recorded live. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Awakening Universal Minds. I'm your host, Brother Benici Amonre, a.k.a. Brother Michael. Uh, tonight, we got a special show for you. We're going to have Dr. Jewel Pukram on with us this evening. Um, Dr. Jewel Pukram will actually be joining us at 10, the top of the hour. She's actually out of the country teaching right now, finishing a seminar. And uh, she'll be calling in at 10. So we'll talk with her from 10 to 1130 or 10 to 11-ish. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And then we'll finish up the show. Also, I'll be have joining me later. Um, we'll have Brother Sargidi, who should be here with us shortly, and Brother Ravada Noon joining us um, a little later. So what we're going to talk about tonight is what we tried to talk about a few weeks back, um, the seven circuits of the brain, how the mind functions, um, because this is key, uh, the brain in itself and understanding the capacity of it. Um, as you've heard the saying many times before, your brain can be your best friend if you utilize the aspects and the capacity of it and formulate your thoughts correctly and know how to utilize something that we call mental magic, um, which we'll talk a little bit about that, um, to get that brain to generate that positive thoughts or those positive energies that can work in your favor and alter the spiritual energy around you. Um, but your brain, on the other hand, which we'll, we're going to talk about also tonight, um, can also be your worst enemy. Because um, what can tend to happen is, as we've talked about, you become your thoughts. So whatever thoughts you think, you you start to manifest that type of energy. That's why some people um, don't really have the full realization of why they're constantly attracting negativity because subconsciously they're thinking about it all the time. Um, just to make a couple of quick announcements uh, of all those that will be in the Miami area this Sunday, um, Sophia's Garden of my at, I will be out there doing a lecture. Uh, I'm sorry, not Sunday. That will be Saturday night. Let me correct that. I had the wrong date. Saturday, uh, which will be September 5th, 7.30 p.m., Sophia's Garden of my at. If you email me, uh, khnum19 at gmail.com, I can give you the information and the address. Uh, the event is free. There is no charge. Um, we just ask you the only admission is free of mind. Come in there, get some information, uh, support the vendors. I myself will be out there uh, with a ton of books. As always, those that come out there know a lot of the information that we talk about on the show, uh, topics that we get into here. Uh, we'll have books on just about all that information out there that you can think of, um, whether it's Egyptology, uh, Yoruba, um, Santeria, African mysticism, uh, magic, uh, Kabbalion, Kabbalah, anything you could pretty much think of, we'll have books on those on those topics. So definitely want to see everybody out there for that. Um, following that, next two weeks after this, we're going to do some metaphysical slash occult shows. Myself, uh, Brother Sargidi, uh, Brother Ravana Noon. We're going to pick some different topics. We're going to kind of kind of 
do a little bit of that tonight, a prelude after we have Dr. Jewel Pooper on later. We are going to do a prelude to that um, later in the show and, and focus hard on spiritual magic, uh, ancestral worship, um, you know, setting up spiritual altars, working with different uh, types of spiritual energies that are connected to you in your DNA. And what we're trying to do in this process, and this is what people have to really grasp and get into the subconscious mind, these are archetype energies that exist in your DNA. Again, we have to stop spooking this out as if it's something that exists outside of ourselves. This is what becomes the problem. People still identify subconsciously with a monotheistic aspect of what spirituality is. These are also people that have actually so-called claimed to have left monotheistic beliefs such as Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. And I want to give you a quick example of that. Um, I put some pics up on Facebook, and it, it, it never amazes me how people subconsciously and subliminally are still, you know, under the mentality or have that slave mentality. I put a pitch, and we've talked about it on the show uh, a multitude of times. We've, we've had Brother Panic on here talking about it. Uh, myself and the brothers on the show, we have talked about it in detail several times. Imagery or images carry powerful energies. The symbols and the images register with the subconscious mind. When somebody sees an image, it automatically triggers a thought in the mind, and then you start to identify what that image or symbol represents to you. Now, obviously, this is going to vary depending on where you're at in your level of spirituality, where you're at in your level of study. Unfortunately, we have a bunch of still spiritually so-called conscious people that claim to be on higher levels of learning and understanding, uh, but they're still very spooked out in their, in their so-called understanding. Um, we put a picture up of Baphomet and, a, and another picture up of the deity in Egypt. Some pronounce it Set. Some pronounce it Sotuk. Some say Seth, depending which level of study you're coming from. If you're coming from the Greek aspect of it, you'd get those breakdowns and go back more to the ancient Egyptian studies, the name will vary. We know this as we study the different deities in Egypt. Now, people are spooked out as to what this deity set, and we'll refer to it as set, which most people are, are familiar with. Um, people automatically affiliate the deity set with negativity, uh, you know, evil or disagreeableness or the devil. Um, they have all these concepts because they still look at the story of Set and Horus as a God versus devil thing. That's what we want to address, and that, it has nothing to do with that. And I'm going to explain. The picture that was put up, and you could actually pull this, this pick up on the um, internet. You could actually go to my YouTube page. The last um, YouTube video that was uploaded has this image with it, the very last class. You can go to Mother Nubia, Inc. on YouTube and see the image. Or you can go to Beniti Amonray on the Facebook page and, and see the cover photo. And the picture is simply showing Set or Satuk striking or lunging at Horus. It, it's depicting the fight or the battle that they had. We know this story has been told over and over throughout history. We know this is the same watered-down version story mentioned in your Bible about Cain and Abel. We also know this is the story of the two warring brothers in ancient Samaria of Enkian and Leo. You can find this, you know, two brothers, good, so-called and bad, battling each other. This, this is a story that's constantly recorded throughout history. So we know this story has 
repeated itself continuously, and it's and it's taking from this this set and horror story. Now, most theologians, unfortunately, will translate this story as a good versus bad, uh, you know, God versus devil, you know, type of story. And in further in the studies, when you look and go back, you'll find in the pre-dynastic Egyptian dynasties, Set was a powerful spiritual deity, deity that connected to the underworld or to the highest spiritual realms. The opening of the mouth ceremony shows that the, the, the depiction and the connection, not just with Anubis, but with this deity Set. Set or Satuk actually represented what we would call the shadow self or the deep, dark aspects of the subconscious mind, the powerful spiritual energies that most people are afraid to tap into because they don't know how to work with those energies. As this story got passed down, because people didn't know how to place the deity set in this pantheon, it automatically became associated and affiliated with negativity and the devil, et cetera, which, which added more to the lore and the mythology that human beings create because they don't understand what these energies represent. So first we have to establish that these are archetype energies that exist within your DNA. Let's establish that. These aren't actual little rep, literary representations of deities because people tend to bring them outside of themselves, make them physical, just like they do in religion, and, and grovel in front of statues and actually give life to these philosophical thoughts and concepts that actually exist within one's DNA. So what this energy actually represented, when you see that story, it's depicting destroying all the old concepts that's programmed in the subconscious mind, destroying the old gods, destroying the old systems that we've been subliminally programmed with. That's what that war represents within the subconscious mind. The, the battle and the will that one goes through on a daily basis, fighting to make the correct decisions for one's spiritual evolutions. It's a representation of a specific energy. Now, when these picks went up, here come all the religious people who, again, claim to be conscious but are still looking at this story from a religious perspective. So I got a bunch of emails on, oh, that's disrespectful to Horus. Now, I want you all to pay close attention to this. You shouldn't have that pick up. You, what, what, that's disrespectful. That, or, or, or the Baphomet uh, image that's associated with uh, satanic worship and, and, and devil worship. Well, this confirms that people that claim to study don't study anything but what they're given on the surface. So all I'm getting is a bunch of answers of shit that people read in books that people get from certain people who have a certain ideology on what these symbols represent, okay? So I got emails, uh, you know, explaining, oh, the Templars worship the Baphomet head, all the sensationalism and all the bullshit, and not really knowing the, the occult or the metaphysical breakdown of what these deities and symbols represent. So for an example, the one individual that sent me an email and said, oh, please, brother, respect Horus, because of the picture of Set striking and fighting at Horus, he automatically attributed that picture with a monotheistic mindset as being negative because of the fact he doesn't really look at the whole perspective of what the images and the, and the energy represents. And like I said, images carry energy. And when, sub, when one registers the images in the subconscious mind, then it starts to channel thoughts 
And then you assimilate those thoughts, and this is what it means when it says you become those thoughts. So you manifest the representation of what those thoughts are. So my response back to that individual was, that's very spooky. You claim to study Egyptology, and to use the term respect Horus is no different than a Christian saying, respect Jesus. You know, it's no different because it shows that that individual is still looking at that as a God and devil story. And unfortunately, some people come into Egyptology and other spiritually conscious cultures and doctrines, and all they do is sprinkle Afrocentricity. So Horus becomes the modern-day Jesus to a lot of these Negroes that left Christianity, and now they come into Egyptology claiming that they've given up their Christianity and they don't believe in that shit no more. But now what they've done is take Horace and he's their modern-day Jesus now. Now, some of them are not consciously aware of this, but if their behaviors and their actions confirm what they're thinking and how they perceive it. So if you're telling me respect Horace, then you believe that literally Horace was a physical deity like Jesus Christ. That's exactly what you're saying. It's no different than a Christian who believes that Jesus walked the earth because you'll hear all these clowns with their, with their uh, analogies how, yes, symbolically the horror story represents Jesus. Yeah, we know all that surface kindergarten information. And it, the 12 disciples is the 12 astrological planets and Horus represents the sun. Okay, the, here, here, here's my point again. They'll use that terminology, which represents symbols, images, and certain levels of consciousness but then they'll correlate it to being literal right after the fact. That shows that a lot of Negroes leave Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, so they think, and they think it's out of the subconscious mind when it still affects them. Now, I want to go back to something we talked about a couple of weeks back. And again, if you're just tuning in, uh, Dr. Jewel Pukram will be joining us at 10 p.m. Um, she is actually out of the country doing a conference, and she's about to finish up that conference, and she will call in at 10 o'clock. So we'll have her at the top of the hour. And I'll, I'll repeat that throughout the first hour for those come, just coming in. Um, but, yeah, she will be here at 10 o'clock, and we'll, we'll get a little deeper into the seven circuits of the brand. Um, but, again, back to what I was talking about. So these are the same people who have claimed or have said they have left Christianity. And we talked about this, I believe, with Brother Panic, and we talked about it a little bit on the show with the brothers here. Um, people think they've left that Christianity alone, but it's deeper than just professing it with your tongue. So people will say, you'll run into the average conscious brother or sister who may be studying spirituality for the last couple of years, and they say, yeah, man, you know, I came into the truth two years ago. Okay. But how many of us have really gone into the, our subconscious mind through meditation and really addressed the trauma and the impact that it has left there in the subconscious mind? How many people have really done that? How many people have really addressed that aspect to really see the effects it has and if it's still affecting them to this very day that we speak? Because a lot, a lot of people will profess, again, to be into high levels of spiritual consciousness, but what they do is they get into whatever uh, organization or culture or dogma or philosophy, it doesn't matter if it's the nation of Islam, if it's the black Hebrew Israelites, if it's the Nuwapians, they basically just sprinkle some Afrocentricity over it, and it still has religious overtones, but yet they claim not to be religious. Now, these are the same people who see these images of Set or Baphomet and associated with negativity and satanic worship. These are the same people that say, fuck the white man. You know, well, we're going to bang and take the crackers out, but these people still think like the white man. 
And this shit amazes me because they're giving you surface definitions. They claim to be white man free, that we got to stop thinking and acting and using the white man's ideology. But when they break things down, they're still programmed by the thought process of the white man. That's bottom line. So when you come in and claim you study Egyptology and now you just made Horus, you know, your modern day Jesus. And now the deity Ra is your modern day Allah or Jehovah or most high God. You're basically still subliminally trapped in the mindset of monotheism. But you think because you put on uh, a couple of pieces of Egyptian jewelry and you read a couple of books that you got the shit figured out. And it's more deeper than that. It's about doing the spiritual work. How much are we going to sit around and talk about what the white man has done to us? What are we doing to combat it? First and foremost, stop talking about it and giving it life and actually put spiritual work in. So that's the issue, you know, that we deal with. These are some of the the aspects that nobody really wants to address. People want to sit there and give you a feel-good lecture all day about the greatness of Egypt and Africa to stroke your ego, makes you feel good for a quick minute. But at the end of the day, the problems that we deal with on a daily basis are still there. There's no solutions for those problems because you can read all you want. And it's not saying, again, that you shouldn't study. It's not saying you shouldn't do your research because that's how you grow. But when you solely rely on depend on that as your sole authority, then it becomes a problem. Because if you're reading all this information, and again, you're not putting it into practice, what point are you serving? So we're focusing on the aspects of the subconscious mind, which, as we said, that's true spiritual magic, reprogramming it, because everything that we have been taught has been incorrect, and it's a process to go back and readdress and correct it. You have to go back deep into the subconscious mind and actually readdress most of the stuff we've been taught all our life. It doesn't disappear in a short period of time. Just because you think on the surface it's not there because you make some claim now, I study Egypt, doesn't mean the impact and the trauma in the subconscious mind from the indoctrination that you received from birth till you so-called came into the truth doesn't mean there's not still an impact there on a level you may not be conscious of. And you can easily see that again, and easily, and it's easily represented by the way certain people break things down, the way they define things. Because like I said, some people have basically come into these different schools of learning, but they still look at it from a, a law perspective, a God perspective, a, uh, a Jehovah perspective, uh, you know, whatever monotheistic belief they came from, the influence is still there, whether, whether they want to admit it or not. So basically, if I put picks up, just because you don't agree with the ideology, I couldn't give a shit. Let's establish that. Those picks are not there for individuals that don't understand it. The page is for people who have their big boy drawers on. This is for this is for grown folks that want to go to the next level of spirituality. Not because you're upset because it hurts your feelings and it doesn't agree with your ideology. They just don't look at the shit. It's not for you. But I do not, in, at this stage, get into a back-and-forth debate over somebody's petty human emotions and humanity because they, it just doesn't sit right with them as if they're the only person in the universe that, that you know, needs to have this explained to them. It's, to me, it's comical and it's ridiculous. So we're at the level now where this information is for those that it's for. If it's not for you, then it's not for you. Um, don't get upset, though, if it doesn't line up with your ideology. That's, you know, unfortunately, that's just too bad.
This is not about pleasing everybody's emotions. This is not about making everybody happy, because guess what? You will never, ever make everybody happy. Not everybody will always agree with what you say. But the point is, it's not about that. It's, we have a job to do, which is about teaching and educating people. That's it. And in that process of teaching and educating, there's going to be a lot of people that like what you say, and there's going to be a lot of people that dislike what you say. That comes with the territory. The mistakes some people make when you try to go out of your way to try to please everybody just to make them happy, you'll never get the true essence of the message out. Information is information. If it's backed up and supported by documentation that can prove it true, then that's what it is. And unfortunately, in situations like that, sometimes it just may not line up personally with what you believe or accept. Now, in those same emails, this, this same individual had uh, asked, this is funny, this is another individual, um, had asked, with that same pic, if you go on the Facebook page, you'll see it says, well, what do you believe in? Enlighten me was the uh, caption that was typed in. And again, here we go. And this is a spiritually conscious person that, that professes to be, quote, unquote, Afrocentric, but yet, again, screaming down with the white man, but yet still thinks like the white man. And let me give you an example. To show you the mindset, Okay, I had simply typed back. Now, I'm on the Facebook after I'm seeing it, and I'm on there live. And you know how you can be on there, and people will uh, send you messages while you're on there. So this individual figures, and here's where people get destroyed. When they come with the intent to convert you, they always get themselves jacked up. It never works. Never come with that intent because you're going to get smashed. If you come with the intent to learn and have intelligent dialogue, then you'll find out, whether you agree or not is irrelevant, but you will learn something. That's the difference. But when you come with that religious mindset, I'm going to convert the fucking world, you're setting yourself up for failure, okay? Because people are going to do what they want to do regardless. Don't fool yourself. Even if you think you've changed somebody's mind, you didn't actually change it. They wanted to change it for themselves. Now, you might have influenced a certain aspect of that change, but you're not making anybody do shit. So certain individuals, like this one, came with the mindset thinking he was going to convert. Now, mind you, this is an individual that used to be into spiritual magic, alchemy, and the occult, so, so he claims. All right, now listen to the spookiness. And I'm, I'm sharing these, this with you because I think we can get a lot out of this. Um, claims that he saw somebody possessed by the devil. <laughs> this shit is hilarious to me. And this individual was speaking in a foreign language. Now, mind you, he couldn't identify the language, but it's a foreign language because he couldn't identify it. And that was his wake-up call and his reality to show him that he was on the wrong path. And then he was, he was directed to Jerusalem, so as he, as he typed into me, to seek out God. Now, this is, if this ain't some bullshit, or if I've never heard any bullshit spookiness in my life, this, this takes the cake. Now, this is an individual that obviously was dealing with the occult and spiritual magic and got to a point in his journey, didn't understand something, and it frightened him. Well, he was accessing energy, and he was accessing forces that he could not keep balanced or deal with, so he scared himself back into being a Christian. This is really what happened. So now, based on this whole scenario with the what do you believe in enlighten me? I had simply typed in, I don't believe in anything, and I don't believe in your weak, pathetic, 
uh, monotheistic God, because your God is a killer and a destroyer by nature. He's responsible. Your God of the Bible is responsible for all the bloodshed and the disagreements on the planet. Your God has been a killer since the beginning of time. Your Bible teaches death, destruction, bloodshed. The list goes on and on. So I don't believe in anything. So then I had typed in, what do you believe in? Enlighten me. And I said, I don't get in back and forth debates over human humanity and petty human emotions. So this dude gets on a rant how he's studied and researched everything, went back to the Jesus shit. So I said, all right, I know you read your Bible. His brother's name is Calvin. I said, I know you read your Bible. Can you please read to me? And if anybody listening to this show, when you get a chance, whether you have it by you or not, write this quote down. Because if you want to trap one of these space cadets, here's a way you can trap them real easy. I said, read to me Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. So now here comes more spookiness. What version? So I, I, I type back that. I forgot. Your God is confused. And he has to have a hundred different translations and versions, but we'll use the number one slave master version that everybody is familiar with, King James version. He goes, okay. So I say, go ahead. Can you please read the quote to me, type it in, and, and explain it to me? So he only types in the first sentence. And I, when when you guys get time, I want you to pull the quote, and you'll see the games. Because when he read the whole quote, I know he shit his pants because he didn't know how to explain it. And what it says is the only part he typed in is. I am the Lord your God. I create the light. I create the darkness. Okay? That's the first part of the quote. That's all he typed in. So I simply said, can you please type the rest of the quote in? You're missing the rest of the Oh, no, no, I typed it in. It's there. I said, no, it's not there. I said, do you need help? Would you like me to put the whole thing in? I'm waiting. Now, I'm waiting two to three minutes. And this dude is strong. So I told him, I said, you're dancing, man. You're dancing around the question. I said, let me help you. And the quote simply states, I am the Lord your God. I create light. I create darkness. I create good, and I create evil. It's right there in your Bible. I, the Lord God, do all these things. That's the part he left out because he knew where the fuck I was going with it, but he didn't want to address it. So when I type that in, I'm waiting for a response. So I know he's thinking, and I'm trying to figure out how the fuck is he He's trying to figure out how he's going to get out of this shit. He's thinking and he's thinking. So I said, you left that important part out. I said, you didn't type it in. You said you did. It's not there. So I said, maybe mysteriously your God swooped it off the screen, trying to make light of it or try to make a joke. So let me repeat that quote again, and I want you all to look that up. When you get a chance, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7, it says, I am the Lord your God. I create light. I create darkness. I create good. I create evil. I, the Lord God, do all these things. Now, listen to the clown's response back to me. I said, what is the purpose for your so-called loving God to create evil? Because your Bible says right there he's responsible for evil. So why do you spooked out Christians try to attribute everything evil to some fictitious character you've made up in your mind called the devil? When your God is taken so responsible for creating evil according to your Bible, it's right there. Listen to the stupid-ass response this dude responds back. Well, God has us experience evil so we can understand good. If that ain't the weakest shit that I've ever heard in my entire life, that took the cake right there. So I type back to the brother, so you mean to tell me you or people on the planet go through death, destruction, war, bloodshed, violence, 
all forms of what people term so-called negativity, hate, list goes on and on, just so people can understand what good is. You know, just fucking tell me you don't know the answer to the question. I mean, that that would I, I would be cool with that. So I told him, I said, you're dancing again, man. Brother, you're dancing. Now, mind you, this is some fool that's trying to call me out. I didn't contact you. I didn't send you a friend request. So if you don't like the shit I got on my Facebook page and it's not for your, your, your level of thinking, then just stay the fuck off the page. It's that simple. I didn't force you to come there, but I, I refuse to make you feel good and stroke your ego because you're not happy that the information that we teach doesn't line up with what you like. I don't care. This is not about making you feel good. I am not the type of dude that talks for two hours about how black you are and how great Egypt was, blah, 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 and all that shit, so you can walk away feeling good. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the original Egyptians. If that's the shit you're looking for, this is the wrong show. We don't do that shit here. We're not interested in that. We don't have time for it. And it makes no sense. So the point being is some people have claimed to have left those mindsets. Now, mind you, these are the same pro-black people that say we need to overcome the whitey and the white man, but yet they still think like the white man. To think in your mind that Baphomet is a representation of devil worship, you're a complete fool. And all you are reading is the white man's interpretation on his version of what he believes the breakdown is. And as we told you before, Satanism is nothing but a system that was created to everything that's adverse to Christianity. It has nothing to do with melanated people. So let's get that shit out of our head. So the very fact that you equate Baphomet with some satanic image shows you you still think like the white man. Yet, from the verbal in the mouth, you say you don't, but yes, you do. It's, 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 it's all around you. You permeate that energy. And just by your very ignorant responses shows you do think like the white man. Because now, if you're going to sit there and send me respect Horace, nigga, that's no difference than saying, again, respect Jesus. It shows me your mindset hasn't left Christianity. The body might have. Just because you put on an African dashiki and some nice smelling oil and shit on the outside, you might have left it. But inside on the heart and the mind, you're still highly influenced by that type of mindset and that thought. Again, if you're just tuning in, uh, Dr. Jewel Pukum will be joining us at 10 o'clock. She is out of the country finishing a seminar. Um, Spoke with her yesterday and this morning. So she will call in at 10 o'clock. So for those that are just tuning in, and uh, what we're going to talk about with her are the seven circuits of the brain. We're going to try to get into it as much as we can. So what we're talking about now is, if you're just coming in, we're we're dealing with how your thoughts formulate and and, kind of create your reality, because you become your thoughts. And I see we got my brother, Sargita. I see you here, brother. Uh, how you doing, brother? Peace, brother. Yeah, I know you just came in not too long ago. Uh, well, uh, Dr. Jewel will be joining us at 10, 10 p.m., and uh, Brother Ravana Noon will be on. Uh, brother Ravana Noon's actually at the uh, U, uh, UCF opening night football game. Um, he got some surprise tickets for that, so he's out there checking that out. Um, but he'll he'll be on a little bit later. Um, so we're, we're talking about getting ready for when Dr. Jewel comes on at 10 o'clock. We're kind of talking about, uh, you probably heard, and I know we've had these discussions, how we get these clowns on Facebook. We're talking about how images project energy. And when somebody sees an image, it triggers in the subconscious mind what they've been programmed, what that image represents. Like, for an example, the average person, and maybe not everybody in this room, but if somebody sees a six-pointed star, 
Most people that are indoctrinated are going to automatically affiliate that with Judaism when a real occultist knows that has nothing to do with Judaism. You can find that six-pointed star on ancient Sumerian temples back in ancient Samaria, which predates Judaism by thousands of years. It's also an ancient symbol that goes back to Egypt along with the pentagram. But then people at the same note, if they see a five-pointed star to show you how they've been programmed, the energy and the thoughts in the mind, people automatically think satanic worship, devil worship, because this is what they've been programmed with. So what we're talking about is, how these different circuits of the brain and the mind work. And we've been, we've been focusing on imagery and images and, and how they carry energy and how people perceive this. So I know you got some stories that, that I, know you, <laughs> I know you can share on it. But, um, you know, I don't know what your take on what you heard so far, brother. Yeah, um, images are actually the language of the subconscious mind. And many many don't understand the intensity of how images affect you. I'll give you an example. If you was a person that, you know, while you was growing up, you were traumatized. Say there was a Rottweiler in your neighborhood that always chased you after school. Right. And you became traumatized by dealing with that Rottweiler. So anytime you see an image of a Rottweiler, that's right, that fear automatically starts to surface on your unconscious mind. Mm. You start feeling this fear. You're like, damn, you know, why am I feeling this way? And then you remember, oh, when I was a child, I got chased by a Rottweiler every day after school. Correct. So that's just a basic level of how images affect us. As the as the old saying goes, a picture is a thousand words. That's right. So if I was to show you an image of a star I set in Heru, if you're a person that studies cometicism, the image means something to you, which it will possibly represent what? The Holy Trinity or family. Correct. The Holy Family. Correct. But, that, but that's just a basic example of how images, how symbols affect you, and how images have personal meaning to you. Because, you know, it may not mean the same exact Representative, representative of family because everybody has a different perspective of family based upon your upbringing. Correct. Family means something different to everyone. But that's just, you know, I just wanted to throw that in there. And that's important. I'm glad you said that. Like when you use the analogy with the Rottweiler, that's what I'm saying, how Im- images carry energy and they also carry thoughts. Like you said, if you were say, went through a period in your neighborhood where you, where you were walking home from school and were getting chased by, by this particular dog. Every time you see the image of that dog, now you're going to automatically, the mind is going to project those thoughts. This is the same process, for an example, when they use this, this whole religion and Jesus spell, that immediately words, and it works vice versa because words are associated with the imagery too. Most people, and I don't give a shit how long you've been studying, 
or how spiritual or how pro-black you think you are, if you close your eyes, and I know niggas, niggas front on this shit all the time when I do it, if I say Jesus and you close your eyes, you still see that white Jesus to show you the impact and the trauma of how that's enlarged in the subconscious mind. This is how they work on the mind. This is how they control your thoughts. Now, if you really, really focus hard, and I know a lot of cats say, nah, you know, uh, see the, you know, the dark-skinned Jesus with the big afro and shit. But subconsciously, they know deep down subconsciously, they're still seeing that hippie Jesus with the long shoulder-length hair that everybody's mom had hanging somewhere in the house with the little heart and the crown of thorns around it with the flame, which that represents something else. We won't even get into all that right now. But I'm just saying that the imagery carries energy. This is so important to understand because this is what the mind attaches onto or connects with to try to identify certain aspect of imagery. Now, we talked about lower levels. And when we get into the seven circuits of the brain, when Dr. Pukum comes on, I'm, we're going to have her explain, especially level one, two, and three, why people think like this. And, 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 and how do we get past this process? Because we're still, regardless of, of where we are in our spiritual studies, and again, I'm not saying if this doesn't apply to you listening to the show, then this doesn't apply to you. We're speaking in general now. Unfortunately, people are still stuck on that good and bad shit. I mean, they can't, they can't get out of it. And to show you, and then we did a whole show, if you go back on some of the older shows from last year, uh, we did shows on the seven principles of Tehuti. And you need to go back and really study one of, the, one of those principles called the doctrine of vibration. And let's talk about that real quick. Because this ties into the information we're talking about right now, um, images and the subconscious mind. Um, when we label something good, what do we really mean or what are we really saying? Okay, because what might be good to one individual might not be perceived as good to the next individual. And let me give you an example. Some people might perceive, for an example, if somebody was doing something destructive to children or poisoning somebody with drugs. All right? I want everybody to follow this scenario to show you how the mind operates. Now, say somebody decided that they wanted to step up and eliminate that problem, and they shot and killed that individual. And this is an individual that might be hurting children or selling drugs to children, et cetera. Let's get that concept in our head. And then some individual says, I'm going to put a stop to this, and they, and they kill that individual. Is that a good thing? Or is that a bad thing? I'm going to pause for a minute because I know, I, know, I know you got a bunch of shit running through your head right now. Some people will say that's a good thing because he stopped this individual from hurting innocent children. So you have people that will take that perspective. Some people will say, well, that's a bad thing because he committed murder and he just added uh, more impact of doing the same thing he was doing to others. That's going to be some other people's perspective. But you know what the bottom line is? Shit is irrelevant. It's not good or bad. You understand? It's not right or wrong. It's how the individual who is perceiving the energy is going to actually put it into perspective. See, we've got to get out of this. There's only one right way and one wrong way. So when you start classifying it as good and bad, you get yourself stuck. <clears throat> this is how you get yourself out of that monotheistic mind state. It's not a right or wrong answer to that question, and it's not a good or bad thing. 
Each individual is going to perceive that based on where they're at in their spirituality and how they're going to put that into perspective. It's different degrees of vibration. That's all it is. So when we're terming something good or bad, and I think we mentioned this a few shows back, to show you how it's all the same and it's connected, it's just different degrees of that energy or vibration, it's like looking at a thermometer. At what point on the thermometer does one go from below Celsius freezing to above freezing, 32? And there's Masonic connotations in that because they say when you become a 32nd degree Mason, you become frozen. And you're only chosen to go to the 33rd degree. But my point is, when does the transition go from below freezing to above freezing? Does one see it or does one feel it? That's the difference. One actually feels it. Okay, you don't necessarily see it with the naked eye. You feel it. So that's confirmation that what you feel is what you perceive. So it's just different degrees of vibrations. So once we look at it in that perspective, it eliminates that certain mindset that we take as individuals who claim to be spiritually conscious, but we're still using that God and devil, good and bad concept. That's the whole point. So these are different degrees of vibrations. Uh, we have to learn, when we look at it in that perspective, it eliminates our own personal, I'll use the word theology or theories on it, because unfortunately, we have a lot of personal theories and theology on a lot of these topics. And it's not necessarily about what you personally feel about it. It's based on what the information is really about. So we got to get to the core of it can't look at it in that light, can't look at it in that um, perspective. Um, so when I got a lot of these emails, I kind of wanted to address them because obviously between getting emails uh, for the show on Facebook and getting personal emails, it's, it's hard to address all these things. So sometimes it's easy just to come and, and use some of these topics of discussion on the air. Um, so that, that's what it is. So there's not, it's not about believing in anything or being enlightened. What the hell does that mean? Because just by that phrase alone shows me that somebody still is religious, okay? You got to listen to people's terminology. You got to listen to people's verbiage. You got to listen to how people explain things. And, and, again, this is coming from people that claim to be Afrocentric, conscious, spiritual, but yet they've taken the Egyptian deities, uh, they, they, they put statues in their homes, and they actually worship them as if they're external physical deities, that is no different than a Catholic going to church and groveling in front of statues and praying. It's no fucking different, okay? Don't trick yourself it's different because it's Egypt and you're identifying with Egypt. We talked about spiritual altars. We talked about what these images represent. You're supposed to focus on the image and the, the imagery of the energy of what that deity represents. And we went through this before. For an example... You can use for the Aruba culture or the Egyptian um, deities. We know they each tie into an element of nature and creation. We know this. So when we deal with the deity Set, some call it Set, some call it Satuk, etc. When we deal with that deity, let's stop associating it with with devil worship. It's comical, okay? So because you don't like the picture that I have on Facebook, I don't give a shit, okay? Because I don't look at the deity set as being evil. Because, again, when you go back, if you really study, and you're really heavily into Egypt, 
go back and study the real origin of the deity set and what it represented and how it was connected to higher levels of spirituality, especially the opening of the mouth ceremony and the connection from the transition from so-called physical death into the higher spiritual realms, okay? We, we automatically see anything that's associated with that, the, the, the deeper inner workings of the subconscious mind or the images that deal with the color black because people automatically attribute all of these images to falsely what the white man created called satanic uh, information, Satanism, whatever you want to call it, and it has nothing to do with the sort. Now, also to the other part of the email I want to address, then you have all these clowns out here with, yeah, well, you know, the, the Templars have a secret society, and they worship the head of Baphomet. <laughs> Listen, if you ain't going to do your research thoroughly, yeah, we, we know about the Templar orders, okay? There's many theories and speculation on the Templars. Uh, some say the Templars in France have the so-called Ark of the Covenant. Some say the Ark of the Covenant rests with the Philosians in Ethiopia. All right, we could be here speculating. I'm not one in for speculation. Now, can any of that stuff be true? I'm, I'm not saying it's not. But at the end of the day, where we're at in our spirituality, I, I really don't care. Now, if you really need to know if the Templars worship the head of Baphomet and you absolutely can't continue on with your life, then if that's something you need to seek out and find out. But don't correlate it because the Templars worship the head of Baphomet that it has something to do with Satanism and some type of Satanic cult. Now, we talked about what the deity of Baphomet represented. Let's talk about that real quick. <sighs> It has in its representation, you see the, and I want to talk about an incident real quick uh, before Dr. Jewel Pukum comes on at 10 o'clock. Uh, I don't know if you all saw on the news on July, I believe it was July 27th. You can Google this. In Detroit, there was some satanic group that unveiled a statue of Baphomet uh, somewhere in downtown Detroit. And people were in a fucking uproar. Christians were losing their goddamn mind. You know, because people were spooking the fuck out. They didn't really know what it was about. Now, if you go pull up the picture of the statue, here's where you got to be careful. It's not a true depiction or image of Baphomet because it's missing the androgynous female breasts. Why is that important? Because without those female breasts on there, it takes away from what the whole representation of that image represents. And let me explain real quick. You have the male goat head face of a man representing the masculine energy. Let's establish that. You have the female breasts, which represent the feminine energy. Okay? You have, you have one finger pointing up to the sun, one pointing down, which representing the doctrine of correspondence, as we talked about last week, as above, so below. You have all four elements in nature. You have the wings which on Baphomet, which represent the air. If you look at the center of the image of Baphomet, you have the flame rising from what we call the pineal gland or the third eye shooting up, which is a representation of the kundalini energy going up through the chakras. That's representing the fire element. Uh, the wings representing the air. Okay, and then you have him perched on the earth, okay, representing the earth element. Now, the reason why the face is of a goat, because remember, a goat stays high atop perched on the mountain looking down, representing always being in control. It represents totality, balancement, masculine and feminine energies, as above, so below. Then you have the Latin inscribed on the arm, which there's a Latin saying which represents transformation. 
It represents an aspect of alchemy. That transformation is the transformation of your subconscious mind. This is what this symbol represents. This predates Satanism. This predates uh, anything to do with devil worship. Now, reason why your modern-day Satanists grasped onto this image, because when this, when this image was first depicted thousands of years ago, the five-pointed star was on it. Now, some people's interpretation of that, if you pay close attention, you'll see some images of Baphomet will have the five-pointed star where the point is pointing down, and some images have it where the point of one of the points of the stars pointing up. Some say the one with the one pointing up represents the occultist or the metaphysicist. If it's the one pointed down, it's a Satanist. That's all bullshit. Okay, don't fall for that garbage. But the essence of what that energy represents, that's the correct breakdown of it. It has nothing to do with the aforementioned. If you choose to accept that belief, you're accepting the modern-day explanation of it by Caucasians, especially Eliphas Levi, where most people get their information on Baphomet. Don't front, because all you Wikipedia researching Negroes and, and getting all your information from, from the Caucasians' definitions, you are the ones that believe it deals with satanic worship and devil worship, and you are the ones that have the surface explanation of it. So I got a bunch of emails on that, and I wanted to clarify that shit. It has nothing to do. So if you didn't understand what was just explained, then maybe it's not for you. And just don't deal with the imagery of it. Now, one who is spiritually in tune knows how to access those energies in that symbol and what it represents and get those energies to work for them. This is what the circuits of the brain and the mind are about. Now, again, if you just tune in, Dr. Jewel should be on at about 10 minutes, 10 o'clock, top of the hour. Um, we're going over the lower circuits of the mind and why people think like this. Because people have not addressed the impact and the trauma that is caused on the subconscious mind. Brother Saul, I don't know if you got any take on that. If you want to add to that, brother. Oh, brother no, Saul. I have nothing right now, my bad. I have nothing okay. right now. I, I no have nothing right now, brother. Okay, cool. So, again, I wanted to address that. And, again, if you just tune in, I see some more people just coming in. Um, Dr. Jewel Pukram will be on in about 10 minutes, 10 o'clock. She is out of the country uh, finishing up a seminar she's doing this evening, uh, this evening uh, actually. Um, so she will be on at 10 o'clock. So we're kind of just um, going over uh, the different aspects of how the mind and how it works. And I was sharing with people imagery and how imagery carries energy. And when people see an image, they automatically get a breakdown. The mind is triggered with certain thoughts of what those images represent. And that has to do with what you've been programmed with as a young person. It's not gone. It doesn't disappear. You have to go in there and address that. It's not so as easy saying, yeah, you know, I just left, you know, uh, being a Christian, and now I'm going to wake up today and I'm, I'm a master Egyptologist. It's, it, it goes deeper than that. You have to address the impact of the trauma that it's had on your mind. That's the whole purpose. Because, again, from some of the emails I get, some people are still very religious, unfortunately. So if you think that those symbols are connected with negativity, that's your perception of it. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean your perception of it is right. Hell no. It's just your personal perception of it. Because like I said, there is no such thing as right or wrong. There is no such thing as good or bad. It's just how an individual perceives it. So some people might perceive what I just said as, as, as negative or bad. That, that's your opinion. 
That's your interpretation. That's your perception. But I want to clarify the myth for all those that think those symbols are connected to, to satanic worship and Satanism. These are individuals that are surface readers. Because most of the explanations I get on that are information people read from, read from Elias Levi, who put out information on Baphomet, and that's all uh, uh, the surface information on Baphomet, and don't really understand the true spiritual connection to it. And again, the incident I brought up, and I want to finish with that real quick and then we'll move on. If you go Google that incident, I want people to do that when they get a chance. And again, I believe it was July 27th. I want to, I want to, the reason why I came up, I want you to go look at this. In Detroit, there was a satanic group that unveiled a statue of what they called Baphomet. The problem is, go look at the statue. It's, not, it's an incorrect of a true depiction of what the Baphomet energy represents because the female breasts are not missing. It's just basically a man in some black cape with wings and a goat's head and, and, a, and a broad, muscular, masculine male chest. So they took out the balancement aspect and they took out the feminine masculine energies that were representation or representation that was there. It just, it's basically depicting some man with a goat's head. So more indoctrination. Now the average spooked out Christian lost their goddamn mind because rather than them really thoroughly research, you know, their humanity kicked in and their human emotions kicked in because it went against what they, in their mind, they perceive as God. And in their mind, what they perceive as Christianity. Now, people had asked me, what did I think about it? What I think about it, I couldn't give two shits. I don't care if they put a damn statue of a, of a purple pig up there. It doesn't matter to me. Shit is irrelevant because it ain't got nothing to do with me. But the very fact that they, they, they achieved what they set out to, and that was to get a reaction out of people. Do you understand that? And that's why I keep telling everybody on the show, when you trap somebody to the point where they get so emotional and they want to debate you, you did your job because you struck an emotional chord in that individual at least to get them to think. But don't get sucked into the back-and-forth useless debate over nonsense. That's the shit that I don't do. So I'm not going to get caught up emotionally. I don't care what they did out there. That, that's, that's, irrelevant. that's irrelevant. That's their business, Okay. But where it becomes dangerous, it's the same thing like we've been talking about in the news. And people would all, the last, well, let's say the last couple of years as we've been talking about, we see in the news with all these police incidences, uh, so-called perpetrated against melanated people, it's being done to get a reaction out of people. And to some people it's working. It's getting some people so emotional where some of these people want to go to gun battles with butter knives. What you going to do, take to the street with a 45 and a 9? and shoot a couple of crackers, and then that opens the door for them to come in with tanks and high artillery and to bring in martial law and, and just kill a bunch of melanated people. And we said, we keep, we keep telling y'all, anytime there's a physical war, there was a spiritual war first. Anytime we went into barrel, battle, there was a ritual that was reenacted before we went into battle. And as long as you don't address it from the spiritual first, you'll never get a solution to the problem. When you want to act off a raw emotion and just react on the physical, you will fail every time. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is you're setting out to do. It always has its origin in the spiritual, and people keep forgetting that. They want to bypass that and think they can just address it from a physical aspect. That's just, unfortunately, that's just not how it works, okay? Um, so very important. Let me just see. Hold on. I think Dr. Jewel is trying to call him. Hold on. Dr. Jewel, are you there? 
Right, she should be calling. Again, Dr. Jill should be calling in about 10 o'clock. I just saw a call come through. I thought it was her. Um, again, if you're just coming in, she'll be on at 10. And I'll repeat it over the next couple of minutes because I still see people coming in. Uh, she's actually out of the country doing a seminar tonight. And that's about that's finishing up about now as we speak. And uh, we'll get her on the line in a couple of minutes. Um, but that's kind of basically, you know, some of the emails that I got this week that I kind of wanted to address. Um, so, again, don't, don't send no nonsense because I don't respond to it. And, again, obviously we don't have time to answer everybody's emails. It's literally impossible because we get hundreds of them throughout the week. Literally, when I tell you hundreds of them, we get hundreds of them. Um, on average, 50 to 60 in a daily basis. And there's no way I can respond to 50, 60 emails per day, uh, sometimes more. That's just on average. There's some days it could be 80 to 100 uh, different emails. And it's just, it's literally impossible to get to all those emails. Um, and then people will try to reach out on Facebook, and that's all good. But like I say, if you're going to send a friend request, don't come on the page with your bullshit because either just remove yourself or you get removed. Because the thing that I find funny, if you're going to send me a request, how are you going to send me a request? And then you want to get into some stupid, silly, uh, nonsense, back-and-forth garbage. So anyway, Brother Saw, anything you want to add to that, Brother? No, nah, brother, I'm good right now. All right. So now what we want to move on to and what we're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about different levels of melanin. We want to try to get into with Dr. Jewel um, the different type of races and the levels of melanin because obviously we all know as melanated people that can vary. Uh, the physical melanin varies on a wide scale of range. It can be from the lightest to light to high yellow, et cetera, to the darkest to dark. So there's different levels to that. There's different explanations to that. Um, so we're gonna we're kind of gonna get into that because that process works different. Um, you've also heard Dr. Uh, Bynum talk about on the show, which we'll get into in a little bit, neuromelanin, and how regardless of that level, because we we also have this ignorance going on amongst us. Light and dark skin. And there's racism that exists amongst melanated people, whether they want to admit the shit or not. Uh, some, some that are conscious will, will, will deal with it from a reality basis. Some pretend that it does, it, it's not there. We, ha- we have to address that aspect because some people, unfortunately, think if you're darker, that that means you're more inept to be spiritually in tune. And I'm going to address that myth right now. That's a bunch of bullshit. And if you want to believe that, Myth. No, no, brother. The darker you are, the more spiritual energy coming in, brother. <laughs> well, if you want to believe that myth, and we, I know we've had conversations about this, brother. Uh, I want to refer back to what Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum said uh, on a couple shows back. And you can find this uh, as a reference if you want to go to his book, Dark Light Consciousness, uh, Melanin, Serpent Power, and the Luminous Matrix of Reality. Go to this book. And go to the section on neuromelanin. And in there, and let's clarify this shit real quick. In there, clearly states, regardless of how much neuromelanin or physical skin melanin one is portraying on the outside, each individual has the same ability to produce the same levels of neuromelanin or brain melanin, which is the key or the aspect or the connection to your spirituality. Because if the neuromelanin, which is responsible for the spiritual function of every aspect of the body, and it's a manifestation of the electromagnetic spectrum, okay, 
it is that conductor that receives those thoughts and sends those thoughts out, which is your neuromelanin or your brain melanin. This is what opens you up to spiritual consciousness. And without its proper functioning, you're disconnected. And we're going to show you how certain individuals, that disconnect has taken place because of certain things that they've done spiritually. They've shut down their brain power. Um, they've shut down the alpha brain waves. They don't know how to connect with the alpha and the theta state anymore. Um, they're not able to activate those neuromelanin powers and how to get it to work for them. Um, so this is very important because it eliminates, again, the myth that one portrays thinking because I'm dark-skinned and this person is light-skinned that I'm more spiritual than That is not true, okay? It's about the neuromelanin. Were you going to say something, brother? Yeah, I mean... That's just a it's a crazy conversation that we have to have like that, but um, it's sad that we actually have to speak on that. You know, there was, you have some people that walk around with this ego now because they learn that everybody was black. You know, the black man was the original black man and the black man in the universe yeah. and the black woman. <laughs> exactly. You know, now, now everybody's egocentric. And it's like... Don't get it fucked up. Spirituality don't have nothing to do with your damn complexion. You can no, have the most, you can have the darkest, most unspiritual nigga, and you can have the lightest spiritual nigga. I mean, shit happens. I mean, it's not, it's not dependent upon your skin melanin. It's all in the work that you do. If you a nigga that don't do work and you just sit on Facebook and take pictures showing your dark complexion, that shit ain't gonna do nothing for you. Exactly. Well, sorry to, sorry, to, sorry to tell you, no Kundalini for you, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and again, you're you're right. It's sad in this day and time that that it even has to be to be addressed. But unfortunately, it still exists in the conscious community. There is that inner racism, that light and dark separation, and some people don't know how to identify. Who, who and what is a melanated uh, person? Now, we have different ethnicities that belong to the melanated family, you know. We have to, we have to address and establish that. Um, we know that a lot of ethnicities, and, and pretty much all of us to this point, are of a mixed stock. So it doesn't matter how dark you are. Nobody who's walking around can confirm or say that they're, 100, like you said, brother, 100%, 100% pure black. You know, some people get caught up in that shit. You know, we have a lot of our Latino brothers and sisters that are part of the melanated family. Uh, some Asians are part of that melanated family because you can see there's some black Japanese. You know, some of the Native Americans are part of that family. Now, you, from a scientific and historical aspect, it's not saying that that European gene isn't mixed in there. It's mixed in there with everybody. But when you get caught up in over-intellectualizing bullshit, then it takes away from the essence and the core when we're dealing with spirituality and the occult. Now, I told you, I've sat down, and you witnessed this, brother. And matter of fact, I just, I just, I just witnessed this last week. We had a uh, drumming get-together, and this, this has happened to me a multitude of times. And we had people out there from Jamaica, Trinidad. Uh, we had uh, African-Americans out there. You name it. There was melanated people, a representation of melanated people from all across the planet. Uh, all from the Caribbean, the United States, et cetera. 
And I watched I watched some some people from the Caribbean get on them drums, brother, and it was out of rhythm. I got to keep it real. I got to keep it 100%. You know, they sat down, they grabbed that djembe, and, and, and you could see, you know, how some people's souls have been tampered with because the drum, I always tell people this. And I play drums regularly. My son plays drums. Um, if you're a drummer, you can relate to this. Now, I know there's some people that can try to teach you how to play the drums. Now, I don't really, I don't really say you can teach somebody how to play the drums. You can instruct somebody or show them, but if you don't have no natural rhythm, you're not going to be able to play drums. That's just bottom line. You can't really teach somebody how to play the drums in that, in that term that you can teach rhythm because rhythm is something natural. And as we, as we simply explain, okay, one of the first things that happened to us when we were brought here, okay, and some were already here, but when people bring up that whole slave shit, the one aspect we don't focus on that was stripped was culture, language, and rituals. And one of the key elements they took from us was that drum. And we did a whole show on different levels of music, how that gets into the, you know, the soul and how it works off the four beat, the four bar, four beat measure, how it ties into the, to the beats and the frequency of the heart and how it, ta- it taps into the heart center with a lot of this computerized program music that a lot of us listen to today. Um, there's, a, there's a big impact and effect on that. They know by listening to this computerized program music, it's actually adjusting the natural rhythms in the body. They know this. They do this intentionally. And you've heard, like we talked about on the show a bunch of times, you heard Brother Panic talking about it a bunch of times, um, repetition. And what always gets you and grasps you when you listen to music is what? The hook of the song. You may not know the whole song and every lyric, well, most of these damn songs don't have no lyrics. All they do is, is, is yell some catchphrase. But you always know the hook. And you're always drawn in by repetition of it. They know this. It was the same thing with the African drum. That's why I say I've sat down. I've been playing drums for over 20 years. And I played with pretty much people from all walks of life. I've I played with people from Africa. I've played with Cubans. I mean, you name it. And I see and experience the different levels of soul. And you can't teach natural soul, okay? And when you look at a lot of these white pop artists nowadays, R&B slash wannabe rappers, those are all rehearsed, choreographed, programmed dances that they do. That's not soul. Don't confuse that for soul, okay? Because then you see a lot of people say, well, yeah, there's a lot of white folks doing hip-hop music now. You know, there's a lot of white folks doing R&B. Well, when it's computerized and you capture the sound or the moment, it's very easy to emulate. You want to see the difference? Put that same person, give them a djembe or a dimbe. Give them some African instruments, natural instruments that you need to play where you have rhythm. Anybody can go into a studio with a computerized keyboard and press a bunch of buttons. Anybody can do that shit, okay? It's not the same thing. But... We have to get out of that mythology because I've gotten, uh, you know, questions on that. I literally have one sister email me, believe it or not. Um, is it true that concept we just discussed, if you're darker or lighter? Because she's a light-skinned sister, and I guess some, some fool from the black Hebrew Israelites was trying to pro- profess to her that because he was darker-skinned than her, that that made him more spiritual. I think that shit is fucking funny as hell, man. And, and again, it's it, like, like my brother saw said. It's it's sad. Oh, <laughs> He's so 
What's that, brother? I'm sorry, we had a little interference there. But yeah, I I I find that just just completely, completely comical. And for anybody to actually, you know, even tap into that is completely ridiculous. All right, but what I want to do now? Let me see if we get. Still waiting for Doctor Jewel to call. Uh, she's supposed to call on it. Yeah, you know, you know the niggas that feed. You know the niggas that feed that that skin complexion docs, and they just want to look deep. They want to sound deep, and they want to be worshipped. Sad to say, they want to be worshipped. Big time. Yeah. And that's that's what the funny part about it is. Usually, it's 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 people seeking attention. And here's the funny thing: is usually people try to take the attention off themselves. You know, usually when you got a per- person ranting, and raving about, they're trying to take that focal point or that energy off themselves because it's actually exposing a weakness that exists within them. But they use that reverse psychology shit to shift that focus and energy off of themselves and put it on to you. So you have to be aware of that. That's an old school tactic. But and exactly, I, yeah, that's, that's, that's that's why people don't understand. On this show, you know, we're not here to feed your fucking egos. We're not going to make you light-skinned or dark-skinned niggas feel better about yourself. That's not what we're going to do. And we're not going to tell you you're a fucking god. And sisters, we're not going to tell you you're a fucking goddess. It's not going to happen. Sorry to tell you. I mean, that's just not the doctrine that we spit. We don't spit doctrines. You know, we're not here to make you feel better. This is not church. Exactly. And, and I'm glad you brought that aspect up, the whole, I mean, again, back to what we were talking about earlier, that balancement, totality, equilibrium, um, when we were talking about the Baphomet symbol and the masculine and the feminine energies. And I'm glad you brought that up, brother, because we need both of those energies. Stop. See, unfortunately, if you go back to some old shows we did, a lot of those brothers in the conscious community, the black woman's God, black woman this, the black woman that, those are all systems of indictrination. Yes, I said D-I-C-K, systems of indictrination. These are dudes that are trying to subconsciously prep females to get in their pants. Bottom line, let's keep it real. Let's keep it 100 because all these organizations that are pushing that ideology do not have any female teachers out in the forefront. So anytime exactly. I run into Exactly. It's, it's, all about, it's all about getting some ass. You know, because at, at, at the end of the day, these niggas don't really believe that shit that they be talking about. They're just trying to get in your pants. Exactly. And, and again, all you got to do is, as we said, just, just put them on the spot, you know, about, well, if that's the case, if that's your ideology and that's what you believe, where are all the female teachers? And then you can hear a pin drop. It gets quiet. Because I, 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 I confront the head. And, and let me address this shit. And for, and for you goddamn Yorkians that walk around talking this goddess doctrine shit, you know, talking about the, the black woman can reproduce on her own, I want to see some facts on that shit. That's right. That's don't right. Just, don't, don't just see a bunch of hocus pocus and just expect me to believe it. We need, well, we need some type of facts. We need some type of grounding. Correct. Now, now, what they'll do, brother, and you know this as well as I know this, uh, when, you, when you research the bobo gland, and this goes back to Africa, uh, there were eight, eight, eight African tribes. Let me show you how it has nothing to do with, with today, and I'm glad you bring that point up. Uh, when you research the bobo gland, the bobo gland was a gland that some African woman in their pristine purity 
were able to release from that gland the same serum that a man would be able to ejaculate into the female with the penis. That was the true African woman that was in, in tune with her spirituality, in tune with her ancestors. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like my good brother's saying, a lot of people will walk around today as if that still applies because you show me one, like you said, show me one grounded in facts that has been able to produce a child without the aid of a man. Now, were we able to do that back in ancient times? Yes, we were, but this ain't ancient times no more. Hold on one second. Let me see. I got another call coming in. Hold on. Hold on one second, brother. Uh, Dr. Jewel, are you there? All right. We'll just continue. Keep getting a call. Hope not in the same problem. And I think it's it's really important to address this because I see our good sisters going through the same cycle that we went through as brothers. You know, we went through the cycle of, oh, the black man is God. He's this, he's that. He's the supreme. He's this, he's that. And it was all ego nonsense. So now the sisters going through the same cycle, getting their ego fed, feeling special. But at the end of the day, none of that shit that is nothing for you and your life. Yep. And again, and what we're going to do shortly is we've got some questions coming online. We're going to go to the phone. We've got a bunch of people on the phone. We're just going to continue to roll here. Um, but excellent point, uh, Brother Asar. You know, we we, we, we got to deal with this from a reality perspective. If you can't do the shit, then don't talk about it. That's it. That's basically what the message is. Now, it, do, it doesn't, okay, it doesn't say, you know, it, it doesn't mean that it didn't exist back then. But bottom line is, brothers, sisters, come on. You know, hold on one second. I'm trying to plug this in. I got a brother. He's, give me one sec. Because he's, uh, he's on a call here, but he's not. What name on the call? But anyway, the point is, it has to be grounded in reality. And we have a lot of people, again, as we talked about, deal with past aspects. You need both of the representations of those energies. So both of those energies walk side by side, but a lot of those cats that are teaching that, and I've called them all out, House of Consciousness, all these cats, my whole point is if that's the case, where's the female representation in that, okay? Yeah, yeah and, it, and then the only question that I'm asking, and this is me, is there any proof of that shit? I have no problem with what people are talking about. I just want to see some type of tangible evidence. Right. Because, remember, we are still on Earth. Facts do matter in some ways. So, you know, and and if you're going to teach this to your next generation, you don't want them going up into some college science class and looking like a fool. Do you? Exactly. You, you're raising your kid, they're going to college, and they start spitting this shit, and they ask them, where's the evidence? And you can't, you can't bring that. All you can bring is the philosophy. Exactly. And you got your kid, you got your kid looking crazy. Big time, big time. Uh, let me see if I can plug this, brother. Um, Seth Atman, I know that's you, brother Mike, um, but I, I see your online question, but I don't see you. When I look at your name on the call log, brother, you're just online. I don't, I don't know what name you are on the phone, so type that in if you want. I'll plug you in on the phone. 
or if not, we'll answer your question uh, online. I'm trying to plug you in, but I just see you online on the computers. Um, I got several people online from Florida. I'm not sure if you're one of those. Um, we got South Central Florida, Southwest Florida. We got Florida. We got North Florida. So we've got uh, several people on the line from Florida, brother. I'm not sure if one of those is you, so I don't know which one to go to. Um, but I do see your question online. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read that question. We're going to discuss it. Um, then if you identify which call you are, I'd be more than happy to plug you in. I just, if I go open all those calls, I don't know which one is you, brother. Um, but anyway, brother, brother Seth, a.k.a. Brother Mike, asks, and it's a really good question, man, um, in dealing with this. Explain how one can reprogram subconscious mind through magic, okay, uh, to get rid of uh, the rest of this question went. But anyway, we can, let's discuss on that part. We talked about what, what is reprogramming subconscious mind. It's actually a form of, uh, you can use the word manipulation. Now, again, if you hear that word and you start wandering off into negativity, it's just manipulating the elements or, or training or reprogramming it is, 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 is in itself that form of magic. Now, how you can do it, for an example, there's many different ways. There's not one specific way. Okay, one aspect of this we talked about would be mental magic, okay? Uh, hold on, I got, I got the brother here. Let's go to the phone right now. I think I got it now. Hold on. I guess he wants to talk. See if we can plug him in. All right, he's not on the phone. Anyway, one way through the mental magic is we, we talk about visualization, okay? Now, it doesn't mean visualize. It's as easy as just trying to see it, and it's just automatically going to happen. I'm not, I'm not going to paint that fake, that fake picture like that because that's not, that's not how this works. You have to charge that visual, visualization with positive thoughts and energy, your own personal energy. Okay, for an example, reprogram the subconscious mind through magic would be what one aspect, what we were talking about earlier. You have to eliminate, if you're looking at a lot of this Egyptology and the deities, still from a monotheistic perspective and not from the energy perspective of the archetype energies that it represents in the DNA, then it won't work for you. But when you start looking at it as energy centers or archetype energies that exist in your DNA, you're able to tap into those energies now and make those energies work for you. And in turn, it manipulates or changes the energy around you. For an example, we were talking about the deity uh, set earlier. Um, set represents the inner, deep, dark workings of the subconscious mind. Some call it the shadow self. Um, it would represent the other aspect of what one terms, for lack of a better word, or one that is afraid to address the negative aspect of the nature. Because in addressing it and identifying with it and changing it, one actually transforms their subconscious mind. You can take, uh, for an example, the deity Shango in, in the Aruba culture. And Shango represents the fire energy. Uh, Shango would tie into uh, emotional um, levels. Uh, some say the warrior spirit. Uh, some say the, the warrior aspect of one's nature. Fire can actually build up, you know, and destroy things and cleanse, and it can actually, in the same token, be harmful and hurt somebody. There's the balancement factor there. 
Um, so when you look at the Shango element or the fire element, how one transforms their subconscious mind through magic, you focus on the energy that it represents and how it applies to you. So now you have to tap into that archetype energy and put it into perspective and make it work for you. Now, is that principle going to apply the same way to every, every person? No, that's where the mistake comes because everybody tries to single-handedly identify one aspect of it or one fragment of it and think it applies the same to everybody else. That's not how it works. Um, the list goes on and on. We talked about, for an example, earlier the Baphomet energy um, and the different representations in that symbol alone um, what that deity of that symbol represents and how one can meditate and focus uh, on those energies and make those energies work and, and transform um, their subconscious mind. So I'm just giving you just a couple of simple aspects. You can use other levels of magic uh, that help. Hold on, let me see if we got Dr. Julia. Have another problem, didn't it? Dr. Julia there? We're just going to keep going. Um, we, we didn't even get into color magic. Um, we talked about earlier in the beginning of the show images. Uh, colors in itself project certain images that work on the subconscious mind. Uh, when you see colors, whether you're, well, whether you're aware of it or not, it has an effect on the mind. And the colors, especially when you look at the deities, and we talked about this on the show, you have to also study in depth and detail why certain deities in African, per se, and Egyptian cultures have certain colors that coincide with them because there's a deeper inner meaning of the representation of the colors. Um, we can use, for an example, uh, a legua, um, a legua red and black in most traditions. And we know what volatile energies red and black represent. Red is, can be used on a multitude of levels. Uh, some use red to balance and control spiritual energies, uh, working with witchcraft and magic, et cetera. And, and black is, is the really deep internal inner workings of the subconscious mind. We talked about last week, because um, I think some people got a little spooked out, um, it's very powerful when one knows how to work with black candle magic, because um, black candle ma magic absorbs all the negative energy and filters it out from the subconscious mind. And burning black candles when dealing with candle magic is a good way to charge up the psyche and the subconscious mind. Um, so these are just simple ways uh, on a multitude of levels that one um, has this ability to do this. So this can be done for many ways. Now, there's other more in-depth and, you know, detailed ways, which I'm not going to really get into at this point because it goes a little deeper. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to say we got some calls on the phone. Um, is there anything you want to add, brother? So I think we're going to go to the phones. Also, I want to add on to that, too. If you go into the Dravidian culture, you know, Ganesha also represents, you know, red and black, you know, the gateway. That's a that's and, good idea. And also, if you, if you study the, the culture and the way it's practiced, everyone goes to Ganesha before they go to any of the other deities. That's right. Same concept. That's pretty much in Africa, India, or even Asia. They have their own concept of it, but it, this concept is not new. But that's, that's right. all I wanted to add on. 
No, no, and I'm glad you brought that up. Like Ganesha, and then and we mentioned the Legua a minute ago. Uh, same thing when you deal with the Yoruba culture. What you should be focusing on, because a Legua, for an, for an example, represents the road opener. And any spiritual work that's done, one has to propitate or open the pathways or clear the roads or the paths to get that spiritual work done. So when you're focusing on the Allegra energy, not, not just the surface bullshit and all the blood sacrifice shit, but what, what it represents in the subconscious mind is opening the pathways or the roads that are blocked. Because remember, as we said uh, a multitude of times on the show, one can't really work spiritual magic or put these things into practice until the paths are cleared. So you have to find out first what blockages one might have, uh, what issues in the subconscious mind. Like we said earlier, a lot of people, unfortunately, come into spirituality and consciousness, but they still have a Christian or a monotheistic mindset. You have to address that because if you still have that mindset, there's no magic that's going to work for you, point blank. I don't give a shit what it is. Go ahead, brother. And, of course, course the colors are related, the the black, you know, that pretty much, you know, relates to – you know, the subconscious, you know, dark energy, things of that nature. And the red, <clears throat> the red represents root, survival, things of that nature. But what was something that I've come across for many years is a lot of brothers and sisters that, <clears throat> you know, they want to take this journey. They haven't dealt with a lot of earthly issues that they have, you know, for an example, an issue can be, you know, mommy and daddy wasn't there. Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) Mommy and daddy wasn't there, and, you know, I don't feel secure. And guess what? If you don't feel secure, guess what? You blocked in your root chakra. Yep. If you don't, you know, if you never had any grounding, because understand as human beings, we go through different levels of development, different stages. And the the second level of development is dealing with, um, you know, um, you know, when you see a baby, you know, playing with their little stuff, you know, they, they're exploring their sexuality and things of that nature. You know, they're contracting their anus or whatever it may be. That's another stage of development, you know, and that's also another stage. That that connects into grounding. You know, this is why in the um, the Dravidian tradition, one of the bandalocks is the anal. It's because the more you contract it, the more you contract the, the anus, the more energy you release from the root into the navel on up. Understand, those realms are connected. But, um, yeah, it goes back to your childhood. A lot of people a lot of people that you see, they, they just seem like they can't get it together. As far right. as, like, they, they can never get a job, they never have money. You know these types of people it's because they're not grounded and and usually that comes from lack of motor skills that lack of motor skills that comes from the first three years of your life right you know did you 
when you was a baby, did you did you start doing shit on your own at a certain point? Did you start picking up the bottle yourself? Did you right. start doing things like that? People don't understand this shit does affect you. And this is this is the part of doing the real fucking work. Hey, Correct. It may, it may sound minute, you know, just because we're not talking about melanin consciousness and space, space aliens and shit, you know, but this shit matters a lot more. As the brother Panic stated the last time we interviewed the brother, you know, people trying to pretend like, you know, certain issues don't affect them. Right. They have no idea. That shit affects you wholeheartedly. And I'm glad glad you just brought up another thing. Let's address that real quick before before we take some calls here. Um, Extraterrestrials. I got to go there, man. I got to go there. Um, You know, you do have a group of people out there that, that unfortunately, um, get caught up in that aspect. Um, We have to stop again. Yes. Who am I speaking to? Yeah, hi. This is Dr. Jewel. Can oh, how are you doing, Doctor Jewel? Good, good, good to get you on. Can you hear me, Doctor Jewel? Yes, I can. How are you? Uh, we, are, I'm doing great. Um, I know you were busy. You're out of the country, uh, finishing up on a seminar. So we, we appreciate you coming on for a little bit with us and uh, spending a little time with us. I know you were real busy. Okay, well, that's fine. I think it's going to be a little noise in the background for a minute. I'm being escorted from the um, location I just spoke at. But if you can work through that, you know, I can definitely be there with you. Okay, definitely. That's fine. We can hear you loud and clear, though. You you sound fine. Um, You're you're definitely loud and clear. Um, What we wanted you to come on the show, because I know you were on a a couple months ago, what we kind of wanted to – if you, we didn't get any chance to get in depth on the seven circuits of the brain. Um, so I wanted oh. to kind of start there, if you can kind of break those down. Oh, boy. Okay, I was just looking at the, that information in more detail. Well, you know, I was quite interested in trying to understand uh, what was the origin behind chronic disease. Right. With the advent of medication, people seem to do well, but obviously – over time, they needed either more medication or to increase the dose of what they were taking, which then had side effects. We also recognized that we could change the diet, and the diet also made a difference, but it looked as though after about 18 months, maximum 20 months, that the symptoms started coming back, and that was very surprising. So you either have to change the diet and then increase the amount of vitamins and minerals. So I began to recognize that there's a correlation between attitudes or thoughts that people had, as well as there were two ladies, one lady by the name of Louise Hay, and the second lady, her name will come to me in just a moment, but they were what we call medical intuitives. Right. And they recognized that there were states of emotion that were uh, present especially in an unhealthy manner associated with particular diseases or limitations in particular parts of the body. So, of course, in medical school, none of this was ever taught that there is a correlation directly between anatomical structure, health, and its dysfunction. But I looked at the lady's name is Carolyn Meese. Okay. I looked at uh, 
their recommendations in my own patient population for almost two years. And I can tell you that almost 98% of the time, their discussion on why a person had a stiff knee or why they had arthritis, et cetera, was quite accurate. Now, further investigation, I also learned from uh, Richard Bantler and um, Tony Robbins that Mm -hmm. was definitely states of consciousness that we were looking at emotional states that were being mediated through certain areas of the brain. Now, Richard Bandler and Tony Robbins, through the techniques of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, uh, were able to create thought patterns that allowed these areas of the brain to be temporarily altered so that the person could immediately have a different response in their body that they may have sustained for years prior to that intervention. One of the things I noticed that uh, Tony Robbins did is that he started evolving in his consciousness, that he uh, evolved beyond being so mechanical with his thinking and that if you think this way and you say this to yourself, this is the result you're going to get. But recognize that we were actually dealing with fields of energy that mediated through certain areas of the brain caused you to have a permanent change in attitude that created, in general, more confidence and a greater sense of mastery. Now, what I call the emperor of all of this was uh, Timothy Leary. And Timothy Leary, you know, his work was banned, literally, and uh, poo-pooed because he did a lot of research with the use of LSD, which is one of the penolins that the pineal gland makes. Right. And with this activation of the pineal gland, was able to see in multiple dimensions how the brain had literally been segmented and how the development of the brain, based on culture, based on family environment, based on what we now know, epigenetics, literally determined the entire expression of this individual in his environment. So he broke the circuits down uh, very finitely and was able to identify the fact that the use of certain drugs, starting with caffeine all the way to heroines and morphines, et cetera, affected particular circuitry in the brain. Now, what I discovered and what I'm working through with right now is the fact that so much of the Western world population primarily is stagnated in what we call the survival brain, first circuit, reptilian brain, which is about survival. Second circuit is about organization, what we call the insect brain, where we have individuals who are willing to come together for a greater goal, bringing skills and capabilities. And this is how literally the Western world has evolved to the present. And if you could really study the organized insects, the bees, the wasps, the ants, even most of the geometric structures on our planet are still very much high in geometric construction. Right. So it's only been probably the last 20 or 25 years that we've been able to access what's known as the avian brain. This is expressed through our research databases. Now we have 
companies, businesses, libraries, extensive that do nothing but collect data, correlate the data, make extrapolations, and then use that data to give instruction to and control the insectoid aspect of society. One of the greatest, uh, oh, yeah, so one of the, this is, if you look at the breakdown of the military, you have the bird brains that are the generals and the admirals, and then you have the insects that actually execute the dictates from the collection of data and information that the birds or the avian brain has assimilated. Right. Okay, and so now, finally, what was happening in the 60s? Well, in the 60s, there was a huge... Uh, evolution of brain circuitry where consciousness finally was spilling over into what we call the mammalian brain, where we were actually using not only our database or intellectual brain, but we were also allowing the brain of the heart to also allow us to become synonymous in feeling and knowingness of other life forms and wanting to do the best for them, recognizing that we were also doing the best for ourselves. So this was why we had the huge objection to the Vietnam War in the United States. This is why we recognized that we wanted to learn differently, that we wanted to be much more intimate as far as just social contact with self, social contact with others, and the freedom to really express ourselves in a more tactile, intellectual manner. And it was because of this and and with the use of drugs that seemed to propel the consciousness into the fourth circuit, which has been identified as a tetrahydrocannabinol or Mm -hmm. an active ingredient in marijuana, that there needed to be an intervention in this rapid evolution of the brain. So what we saw in the Western world in these communities was an avid integration of the cocaine or opiate drugs that basically then move people to the reptilian circuit or the survival brain where the introduction of paranoia and suspicion and all these things now became to take its place again. And then with the concentrated form of these things, such as crack, you crank all these different things, we found that not only did they damage brain tissue, but it appeared to lock the consciousness into these lower circuits. So here we are, again, literally stifled after almost 20, 25 years, still dealing with uh, reptilian and insectoid brain issues. And it's, it's become very difficult for us to even bond together again at the level of second circuit because not only were these type of oppressive drugs uh, implemented in our societies, but also the types of advertisements and the introduction of what we call memes. And memes are very interesting. I think uh, Leo DiCaprio showed a very good example of that in his movie Inception, where an idea an idea is impregnated into a person's thought field and that idea and associated with other icons begins to replicate like a virus and take over the person's mind, but the person really believes that they're the origin of the thought when they were not at all 
such things. So right, Dr. the insertion, yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off because it, it, it triggered something. Because I know and I, on one of the many lectures you've done on the seven circuits of the brain, uh, that thought yes. pattern, that thought process, you talk about how certain individuals can't process information only based on the on the fact of what they believe to be true, and they kind of get stuck in that pattern. Is, is there a connection to that? Because some people just can't assimilate certain levels of information because if it doesn't line up, um, you know, with their ideology or their thought process. I, I believe you said that those are people stuck on the second or the third circuit. I'm not sure if that's correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, okay. Uh, yes, partially what you said is correct. You have to understand that if the consciousness is locked into a particular circuit, it usually takes an intense trauma for them in consciousness to move into other circuits of the brain, especially a higher circuit. So as I said, with the implementation of specific advertisements, the the listening to specific music, as well as the implication of chemicals in the food, individuals have been locked into second circuit. They've been locked into first circuit. And this is one of the reasons why we still have so many people that are still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. That definitely locks you into the survival circuit. And Mm. these individuals are not able to basically bond where they can work with groups of individuals for a particular goal because of the level of paranoia. And that can easily be treated with geometry, but it is not offered. So therefore these individuals are medicated, which then even puts them into a uh, deeper misuse of what brain circuitry they have because the medications that are used intentionally shut off, shut the individual consciousness off from specific circuits of the brain. So it's like chemical lobotomies that have been used to uh, pacify or deactivate individuals who are intensely affected with post-traumatic stress disorder. So this is how a lot of the uh, individuals from Desert Storm were handled from the Iraqi war, as well as those individuals that are coming back from um, Afghanistan. So this is what's happening. You you can expose an individual to information, but if the circuits of the brain where those uh, frequencies of information would be processed are not active and accessible by the conscious of the individual, the information will not be processed and it won't be integrated into their thoughts and actions. And this is what you're seeing. Right. Excellent point. Yeah, that's that very, very, very important. Now, if you could back up, because somebody's typing in, one of the listeners, I guess they missed a few minutes ago. What was the correlation that broke down between LSD and the pineal gland? Oh, okay. Well, the pineal gland is an incredible uh, organ and uh, endocrine gland, and it does different things depending upon the time of day, the wavelength of light it's exposed to, and also the chemicals that are in the bloodstream. So usually somewhere between 10.30 p.m. and 4 a.m., the pineal gland begins to either to also create other substances known as the penilins. And one of the main penilins that allows an individual to see the multiplicity of any object, multiple dimensions, et cetera, is lysergic acid. Mm, okay. And so with, yeah, so with this 
ability to refine some of the penicillins and recognize that the active ingredient was lysergic acid. It was used inappropriately during the daylight hours. It was used with exposing individuals to certain visual, auditory, stimuli, et cetera, that they could literally experience, obviously, in a distorted way, altered realities. And so Timothy Leary had spent the time in documenting this, and he used lysergic acid very intensely in a scientific environment as well as a, a social cultural environment. But because of what he was writing about and exposing imprints and the circuitry of the brain and how it was actually mediated, he was charged with the possession of marijuana illegally and incarcerated for a very, very long period of time to keep his teachings and his writings under control. Right. Okay, that, that's powerful. Now, you've also talked about, in, in, in correlation to that, you've, you've also talked about, because you were just speaking on different synthetics and medications, uh, how that's damaging to melanated people when they're taking, you know, how a lot of these synthetic drugs can actually damage the proper functioning about melanin. What, what would you suggest to somebody that, uh, per se, might have serious illnesses? Um, and, unfortunately, you know what they do to us. They, we, we go and they, all they do is just dope us up. And, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are not educated to the correct medicines and what they do and how they function. What would be your suggestion to say somebody that might be seriously ill and is on a lot of these medications? Because I know, you know, they're very damaging. Um, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but um, how how is one educate themselves or maybe work towards getting off a lot of these synthetic medications uh, that can damage their melanin in this whole process? Okay, well, the best medicine for uh, melanated people right now would be literally plants and herbs directly from Mother Nature in mm-hmm. their freshest form, or the use of herbs and acupuncture from the uh, Asian culture, Chinese medicine. I have found years ago, years ago, that I got the best results with a very clean diet, using whole grains as the base, uh, vegetables cooked appropriately, et cetera, with the use of Chinese herbs, uh, Native American herbs, to bring about an equilibrium in the melanated individuals. There's mm-hmm. definitely a distinction as to how uh, pharmaceutical drugs interact with melanin as opposed to individuals who have a very low level of melanin, which is referred to as melanin-recessive individuals. So right. we definitely know that the medical system, Western medical system, was created and financed by melanin-recessive individuals. They have been true to heart to make sure that the standard of health and disease is defined by the healthy or unhealthy melanin recessive body. Mm, So this is a real big problem because when you recognize that melanin dominates the effect and the effectiveness and the function of all tissues in the body, if an individual is melanin recessive, that action and activity is going to be quite different than a body that is 100%, you know, plum, navy, blue, black, with so much melanin. But their standard for metabolic processes, for catabolism, et cetera, are not used. They are held and measured against a melanin recessive metabolism. 
And right. so, therefore, the drugs that they would recommend, et cetera, are definitely not appropriate for heavily melanated individuals, which is why the present drug treatments are very harsh or just become toxic for us because they haven't been tried to try, try, no, titrated and observed in organisms that are heavily melanated. Right. So until they are willing to admit that the standard of health and the standard of disease is only accurate for melanin-recessive individuals, we then cannot expect that what they offer to us to be effective because they're not seeing us for who we are. So that's why Mother Nature, the plants and herbs that are what? Highly pigmented. Chlorophyll is the first cousin to melanin. Right. Are much, much safer and much, much more uh, compliant and uh, effective in melanated individuals. And so, therefore, the herbalist and the uh, naturopath, uh, the acupuncturist, et cetera, uh, individuals that practice alternative medicine are much more appropriate for the melanin-dominant population until uh, Western conventional medicine decides that they are going to employ the known standards for health and disease for melanated individuals. See, what was so surprising to me, Michael, is that when I did the research and recognized there must be something going on here because Western medicine doesn't work well for our people, their drugs, et cetera, is there a known standard? And I was directed to look behind me, which at that point where I was located was Ann Arbor, Michigan. I Mm -hmm. then discovered that they had a Department of Human Ecology, and I wrote that Department of Human Ecology inquiring as to whether they had any data, any research had been done to show that there were literally differences in growth and development and blood chemistry, et cetera, between melanin-recessive and melanin-dominant individuals. They eagerly returned my, uh, responded to my request and informed me that, of course, there was, that they had thousands of papers that had been done to elucidate this truth, and I had to be more specific in my request. I was just astounded, okay? So I I said, okay, what about growth and development, uh, hemoglobin studies, neurologic development studies, bone development studies, et cetera, and other lab indicators. They sent me a whole pack of information. And at that time, Dr. Stanley Garn was Professor Emeritus of the Human Ecology Department and was very, very generous and gracious in sending me this information. He even sent me an article that he himself submitted to the National Medical Association elucidating his personal research and observation of over 100,000 melanated men, 100,000 melanated women to ensure that it was clear that the hematological differences between melanin-recessive individuals and melanin-dominant individuals did definitely exist. So right. he definitely indicated that in melanin-dominant uh, females, the hemoglobin level right. could be as high as two and a half to three grams different. 
And that wow. it appeared that from a collection of over 100,000 uh, blood studies in melanin-dominant women, the average healthy hemoglobin for us was 10.5 grams, as opposed to what has been printed, that it should be 12 to 14, not for melanated females. Correct. 10.5 to 12 is natural for us. But in any melanin-recessive institution, they will immediately label you as being anemic and want you to take iron, which That's is right. not necessary. There's not anything wrong with you. I observed that using the same melanin-recessive stats and standards, comparing them to melanin-dominant men, our white blood cell count is somewhere between 100 to almost 200 cells per cc lower the melanin uh, recessive men. And so when a melanin dominant male would have a white blood cell count of three, they would immediately say that, oh, my God, you know, you're uh, having some kind of near uh, severe anemia, okay, right. a, leuco, a leukopenia, and that this leukopenia would require bone marrow biopsy. It's very painful very dangerous thing to basically insert a needle into the bone of somebody to draw out its marrow to look at the potential hemopoietic components. Right. And so, but all these black males had to have these bone marrows because their hemoglobin was 3, 3.2, which is normal for us. Why is it right. normal? Because we have melanin in every cell, large amounts of it. And so, therefore, Correct. we don't have to have so many immune components in the circulation because we have melanin right there in the cell to protect us. Correct. But because they don't teach in medical schools in the Western world the details about the millions of papers that have been done on melanin since the, six, since the 1600s. Correct. Because that has not been seen as a big issue for melanin-recessive individuals. They recognize that they have melanin in the cell, but the type of melanin they have is quite different, and its geometric conformation is different in the cell. It's not flat and wide and spread out. It's what we call pycnotic and literally kind of balled up in a corner in the cell, which is why we can see through the cell, which gives that appearance of whiteness or paleness. Right. But they have melanin, okay, but it's pycnotic, as we call it. It's not spread out and equally distributed in the cell, which then captures the light, which then gives us this hue of color. Right. So the whole idea that they are still trying to postulate that uh, there are races amongst the human species is also incorrect. That the data has been known that all humans have the same DNA. There's only a one-tenth of one percent difference amongst the human genome. So what right. we're seeing is just like in plants, we have variation. So we have variations in the amount of melanin production. We have variations in the type of melanin production, from plum purple black to navy blue black, to literally albinoism, where there's an extremely small amount of melanin. But right. we're still the same genetic 
constitution, which means there's no races. There's only race variants. And this was also confirmed at the University of Michigan. But why is that information put out? And why don't we collect uh, correct the language and make it known that there's only one race and that we have variations in that race species. And this is because of the political, economic, social, political manipulation that has been used throughout the Western world. That's correct. So it's and caused us to be looking at each other as though we're foreign and we're not. It right. causes us to think that we're separate and we all stand on the same DNA uh, collection of information. That's right. And it's funny you bring that up because uh, we had uh, several times we've had Dr. Edward Bruce Bynum on the show and, and talking about Noramount, and you've said, you've said a lot of similar things confirming a lot of that research. Um, we were talking about regardless of, of race, actually before you actually just came on the show tonight, before you called in, um, unfortunately amongst melanated people there's still that inner racism of light and dark, and I'm glad you just broke that down. Because, unfortunately, that still exists. I hate to say it. It's a reality. Um, but Dr. Bynum was talking about it. I heard you say similar, maybe not exactly the same way he said it, but it kind of connects. Regardless of that factor and, and how you were just breaking down the different levels of it, each individual has the same capacity to, um, you know, produce the same levels of neuromelanin. Can you kind of maybe touch on that a little bit? Well, not only neuromelanin, but... Uh... Uh, somatic melanin as well because okay. what, you, what you're seeing is attitude, okay, to right. be able to only produce small amounts of melanin is due to an attitude. The gene is there. And so right. if the gene was given permission to be fully active, these individuals would not be melanin recessive. They would be melanin dominant. Mm, okay. So, yeah, so therefore to... Be melanin recessive, there is an attitude that that individual perpetuates and inherits that keeps the TYR gene on chromosome number 11 and loci number 6 underactive. So there are individuals now who are not willing to continue to suppress the function of the TYR gene in their genetic genome and are willing to allow it to express itself. So most melanin recessive individuals with an attitude, the melanin stays so repressed it becomes abnormal, known as a melanoma. Right. And so people do not have to have melanomas if they would allow the melanin to express itself as it normally would throughout the cell. So definitely in the human species, or whiteness, as we would refer to it, or melanin recessiveness, is a abnormal trait that is sustained by attitude. Even these individuals, when they're in the sun, the melanin wants to express itself, but because it's being held hostage by the neurochemistry of attitude, it basically does not give permission, that is the chemistry is not in the blood for the melanocyte to be all it can be. And right. so, therefore, over time, these melanocytes take on abnormal characteristics, and it's known as melanoma. And so, therefore, melanin-recessive individuals, the only thing they know about melanin is melanoma. But that right. is not what is most important for them to know, because if they understood that this craving 
this need for all the antioxidants that they have now touted to be so important, lycopene from red vegetables, um, vitamin A from the yellow vegetables, mm. uh, uh, resveratrol from the purple vegetables, etc. All of these are components of melanin. That's right. All of them make up the complex biopolymer known as melanin. But why do they not use the word? They talk about antioxidants. They talk about pigments. They talk about chromatin, but they won't say the M word. Yeah. So the key and the, the history here is not the N word, it's the M word that needs to be spoken so that all of humanity can accept itself for what it is and rid themselves of these diseases. All of these muscular dystrophies and amyotrophic lateral sclerosis and cerebral palsy, all of these things are due. So all of these things are due because of the suppression of the proper functionality of melanin, especially neuromelanin. Correct. So we've known for a fact that everybody was melanated up to 70,000 years ago. That's right. And so why would somebody still try to hold on to a quality that always leads to disease, always mm-hmm. leads to a shorter lifespan, always leads to more rapid deterioration of tissue? Correct. Okay. Well, wanna... What is the benefit of that other than it's an economic, political, sociological means of controlling large populations of people? And right. those large populations happen to be what? Melanated. That's right. Very, very important. Dr. Jewel, if we could, because I know we don't have you for much longer, and I again appreciate you coming on, taking busy time out of your schedule. Can you kind of just uh, give your website also? I know you're doing a bunch of classes right now, different different seminars and things of that nature. I know I didn't get a chance to ask you that when you first came on, but can you uh, kind of give people your oh, yeah. information? Oh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, we Go ahead. just opened up. Yes, we've just opened up our university. We have a university now, the Jewel University of Immortal Sciences for Immortal Living. So I hope everybody recognizes that Jewel is an acronym. It stands for Justifiably Enchanted with Enlightened Living. And with more of us acquiring access to our brain, where now we're able to use the right and the left hemisphere equally, as well as making sure that that is a standard now, we have to learn how to live with a balanced brain. And one of the natural attributes that one can achieve now with a balanced brain is immortal living. We have already known since the 70s that there was immortal genes in our DNA. So we have the innate natural capacity to be immortal, but We don't know how to activate the gene, and we don't know basically how to utilize a balanced, fully developed nervous system to conduct an immortal lifestyle. So this is why the university has been established. Our Department of Neurosciences now is offering webinars to address uh, issues and perceptions that balanced brain people, people that have whole brains now, are going to have to look at definite differently. So our webinars are available. Our next one coming up is September 27th. You can uh, enroll in that uh, on our website, www.thejewelnetwork.net. 
as well as visit our website, drjewelsbalancingprogram.com, where you can learn how to bring all of your brain online. See, most people only have 5 to 10% of their brain online. That means that they're only conscious, uh, are consciously able to operate only 10% of their brain. You That's have right. to have access to both hemispheres of the brain permanently for you to be able to create the neurochemistry that would activate the immortal gene. So first thing is to expand your life uh, span, extend it, is that you've got to get more brain tissue on board. Once that happens, the quality of the blood shifts, and when the quality of the blood shifts, you are now able to activate new levels of your own DNA genome that were never accessible before. So that means now that you can live to be 150, 200, 300 years. How do you conduct yourself knowing that you're going to be here that long? This is what the university, the Jewel University of Immortal Sciences is about. So we look forward to you uh, joining us on our Balancing Brain program. You just are doing such great, wonderful work. You want to bring all of your uh, brain online, and the way that you do that is, how we build everything else with geometry. That's what's so great about this. And then begin to take the courses and join the webinars that teach you, once the brain is balanced, how to interact in your life with more brain tissue. So we're really excited about that, and thank you for the opportunity to just share what we're doing because how are you going to make it to Mars? Mars takes three years to get there. You are not going to be fed and entertained for three years. That's right. You're not going to do it. So you have to have a nervous system, a brain quality, that will allow you to literally be uh, put in suspended animation, cryo storage. There's a number of techniques that can be used that when you are aroused again, your nervous system is strong enough, the brain literally is balanced, so that you can immediately wake up from your storage bed and have a great time on Mars. That's right. This is what the 21st century is offering us, and we can't do these things anymore with just 5 to 10% of our brain. So a lot of people are in stress because they don't have enough brain tissue to utilize and evaluate all of the stimuli that is before them. And all you have to do is not take tranquilizers to even put more of the brain asleep, but to basically just grow the rest of your brain. It's real simple. Right. Okay? All right. Appreciate that. And if we could real quick, okay. if we could just take uh, just a couple calls for you, and then we'll let you go because we're going to run out of time. Uh, is that okay with you? Or if you okay. Have to go just to, a couple? Uh, yeah, just two. We're just going to okay. take two calls for you, and then we're going to let you okay. go, okay? All right. All right. Um, okay. I believe we got Thank we got you. brother brother Mike brother Seth from South Central Florida. You on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay, go ahead, brother Mike. You got Dr. Jewel. You ask her a quick question before we let her go. Yeah. That, um. Thank you very much, Dr. Program, for coming on and sharing um such um vast eye opener for for me at this point in time, um with regard to the 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 brain and the functioning of the brain and how we can really access it um, to our full benefit. Um, one of the questions I want to ask is the question of attitude, um, where you were mentioning about um, if you change our attitude, um, 
we are able to access more neuromelanin um, to enable us to function more effectively. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that question of attitude for me, please? Well, you know, uh, how you think is everything. The brain's responsibility is to translate your thoughts. And so if you have thoughts that you should be a particular way that is contrary to the natural structure, geometry, and function of the body, your body will take that on. We basically call that disease. And so the body does whatever you tell it. You and your body are not the same. You are an energy field of consciousness that permeates the tissues of the body, and it is through your nervous system that you and your body communicate through chemistry that's made from the neurons of the brain. It's just basically the cascade effect of what happens. So when you think a particular way, especially in a way that is not consistent with the uh, universal structure of how a human body is to function, we see that as dysfunction, and that has been part of the problem. Most people don't know how to communicate properly with a incredible tool such as a physical body that has unlimited capabilities. Just mm. telling the body that something isn't possible is a dysfunctional, toxic, chemical interaction in the tissues of the body. Mm. Okay. So I hope that helped you. Does that help you, brother? Yeah, All right. I appreciate that. All right, thanks for the so call, visit Mike. Us at Dr. Jewel, yeah, visit us at drjewelsbalancingprogram.com and read okay. more about our program and how you can access more brain tissue and then learn how to think differently so that you don't force the brain to make neurochemistry that becomes uh, irritating and destructive to your tissues. All right. Appreciate that, Dr. Jewel. Oh, so what we're going to do, we'll let, we're going to let you go, Dr. Jewel, because I know you had a very Thank busy you. night. And I, I, I definitely know you're super busy. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely try to, and when you have some more free time in your schedule, we'll, we'll, we'll have you come back on to take some questions. I don't want to hold you up because I know you've had a long, extremely busy night. But I definitely appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us uh, for the listeners. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll see when we get you back on when you have more of an open slot in your schedule. And then we'll have some more people call in and talk to you. Okay, thank you. And, Michael, right. you know, I do invite you to join our program. You know, you do both those hemispheres of the brain because you're doing a wonderful job now. It'll be incredible you. when you get everything online. Love you. Thank you, thank you everyone. All right. Thanks, Bye-bye. Dr. Joel. All right. Have a blessed night. Bye-bye. All right. So there you have it. I know we had to cut it a little short, um, listeners, because uh, Dr. Jewel is actually uh, touring outside the country right now. Um, She's somewhere over in Africa tonight. I, I forgot exactly where she's at. Uh, she's going to Europe after that. Um, so, you know, she's actually busy, so I didn't want to hold her up. Uh, she took the time out. I know we only had her for about a little bit under an hour, but we'll get her back on when we have some more time. So what we're going to do now is uh, just for the last maybe half an hour or so, uh, finish up and kind of connect it. Brother Ravon I know you. I know you're there, brother. I know you are. Uh, came on a little bit after the fact. I know you've been listening in. Uh, we were kind of talking about uh, mental magic and things of that nature, um, kind of connecting these, the functioning and the thought process of the mind and the brain and kind of using the old adage, you know, you know, your, your mind can be your best friend or it can actually be your worst enemy. We've heard that saying so many 
times over the years, you know, your mind can play tricks on you. Remember the old ghetto boy song, your mama mind's playing tricks on me, you know, shit like that. So the, the mind is a powerful thing. And you hear us talk about the subconscious mind on this show a lot. Um, uh, kind of where we left off or before Dr. Jewel came on, we were talking about magical techniques one can use to actually get the sub or to tap into the subconscious mind or reprogram it. Um, so we were kind of building on that. So, you know, if you're, I don't know what your take is on uh, what we've been talking about up until this point. Uh, maybe we can kind of finish up in that area with the listeners. Sure. Um, oh, when it comes with the subconscious mind, we already all know. I'm sure you've all discussed before I came on. But subconscious mind creates your reality. Um, Correct. A technique to use to tap into your subconscious mind is when you meditate. Is try counting backwards from 10 to 1. And when you do 10, breathe in, breathe out, and then move on to number 9. Breathe in and breathe out. That's deep diaphragmic breathing, not shallow breathing. And as you're doing each number, relax your body. Each part of your body, relax it. What you'll find is that by the time you get to number 1, all these feelings, all these thoughts, um, all these suppressed thoughts, feelings, and, and trauma and pain from the past is going to surface and arise. So uh, it's not an easy meditation if you're not accustomed to dealing with your issues or your pain or your trauma, but it is a very beneficial meditation because counting backwards actually is the way to tap into your subconscious mind. It's another method. Actually, before I... Um, earlier today, I, I practiced that, and uh, it really took me there. And I felt a well of emotions, emotions rising up. And you know, you have to, you can't, you can't run from the emotions. That's the most important part. You have to deal with it. You have to deal with the feelings. You have to deal with the thoughts. You have to deal with all the things that uh, we tend not to deal with when it comes to subconscious work, because we're so used to burying it suppressing it, repressing it, and that causes nothing more than more uh, energy increase of the suppressed thoughts, which when it surfaces is going to be even harder. So definitely try that because um, it works on many different beneficial ways. And without, without that actually being done, you can basically hang it up when it comes to higher work. Now, a lot of people can claim and talk and proclaim that, oh, well, I've done all this great work and, you know, I haven't really dealt with that. Yeah, but you have never dealt with it. So you can't really say how far your work could really go if you did deal with it. Remember, these emotions, thoughts, feelings, issues, they create, create blockages. Blockages are like a dam. You have a river and then you put a dam there. What happens? The water cannot flow anymore, right? So it's backed up. But what happens to the water that's backed up on the other side of the dam? It's increasing its energy. It's increasing its force. This is how how come they use dams for, like, electrical power and different things. Because that increase of that hydropower is increasing. Well, that's how your emotions are, your thoughts, your feelings, your your issues. If you've never dealt with them, they're like a block, and that it's like a dam, and the river's trying to flow through, but it can't because it's black, so it's only getting worse. And you're only compounding it with worst, negative, uh, disagreeable, whatever you want to call it, energy. 
and it's only increasing. So you never really know how much your work could be, how great your work could be, how high of a level you could go to if you don't ever deal with that. You know, this society, we've been taught for a long time to deal with nothing but pleasure. Everything we seek is pleasure. Oh, get the nicest clothes for my pleasure. Get the nicest cars for my pleasure. Avoid negative thoughts. Only allow positive thoughts to exist. The minute a negative thought arises, squash it out, erase it. Well, you know, that negative thought came from somewhere. And it came from you. It didn't come from outside of you. None of those thoughts come from outside of you. They're really dwelling from within outward. And if we keep running from these things. Look at society, and then you'll understand what we're trying to say on this show. Look at the reflection of society when most of society does not deal with their issues, does not deal with their subconscious crap that's creating their reality. And then look at the reflection of the world, and you can understand what we're trying to really say. If you if you do the work to clear that up, then your work can take you to different levels. I know some people say, oh, well, you know, I use the law of attraction different things. Listen, nigga, you can attract all you want, but if your subconscious mind is really combating what your conscious mind is trying to attract, then what you really end up attracting is the subconscious mind's bullshit. Then you wonder why you're always in a predicament, and you be like, yeah, but I'm such a good person. I meditate, I chant, I do. Yeah, that's all lovely. That's work. But it's not going in-depth work where you're dealing with your shit. So you can still be a great person on the outside, but if your subconscious mind has all the past issues and traumas and crap still deeply inside of it, then what you're really bringing into your life is nothing more than destructive thoughts, destructive patterns, and these just keep compounding themselves. So when you learn how to do that, then you're able to work on different realms. And what I mean by that is, according to the shamans, for example, the shamans or the shamans, however people want to pronounce it, you have three worlds. You have the higher world or the higher self. You have the middle world, and then you have the lower world. Most of us, according to shamans, live on the middle world, and we don't understand that because the shamans... The underworld or the lower world is really the world of a lot of their work. They go to the underworld because that's the world of your subconscious mind. So shamans understand this process. That's why shamans were like the original psychologists. They would work there so that your middle world would not be affected by your bullshit that you keep hiding. And you keep uh, complaining, making excuses, and blaming everybody else for your own crap. So they would work there. Because then the higher self could influence the middle world and the lower world can be clear to process higher self thoughts that you sometimes can't hear because your conscious mind is distracted. So right. if we don't get to these, this process and get in-depthly, then we don't understand these things. That's like, for for example, people who are so comedic. And if I offend you tonight, well, go take a shower and get over it. People are so comedic, are so quick to Jesusify their whole tradition. What I mean by that is, Brother Beniti and myself, we've dealt with people because we speak about satach, satuch, set, whatever the hell flows your at the end of the night. We speak about him, and quickly, it's uh, anti-set doctrine comes out. And quickly, it's that subconscious mind is still reacting as if it's a Christian. 
Correct. It's still reacting as if it's a Muslim or a Jew, so it's still reacting in this monotheistic mindset where it's looking at things in crystal clear, black and white, good or bad, wrong or right. And when you really understand, you so-called comedic people, the laws of the universe, the laws of Tahuti, you understand that none of that shit is real. There is no good, bad, wrong or right. There right. are vibrational degrees and frequencies of one thing, and you perceive it as wrong or right, good or bad, but it's still the same thing. So Correct. when you get to the end of the to that end of the the Christian mindset and then you bring it in because you think you're now great because I'm back into the black thing, you bypass ever destroying Christianity in your subconscious mind. So you yep. look at set which really represents your subconscious mind and dealing with your shit, you you bypass that and you get upset because we have a picture of Set smacking the hell out of Heyru, and you say respect Heyru, <laughs> nigga, please. That's some straight religious mindset. That's because exactly what you're right. Really understanding is that Set is really smacking the shit out of our illusions. He's smacking the shit out of us always following and worshiping somebody and saying, yeah, Heyru, y'all want to follow Heyru, and I'm smacking that illusion into. Of you guys not realizing that you cannot re reach higher consciousness, which is represented by Heyru, higher consciousness, if you still haven't dealt with your lower self, if you still haven't dealt with your subconscious mind and your real shit. So how are you going to elevate to higher consciousness and float around like a little falcon if you can't even deal with your lower vibrational frequencies, your, your issues, your past things, and learn how to use that shit to benefit you, not hurt you no more? That's right. So, for you comedic people, I'm sorry, but y'all got to leave that Christian shit behind and stop bringing Christianity into comedic doctrine. Y'all still mm -hmm. on a surface layer of information and knowledge. You swear you're so deep consciously. You swear you know all these things, and you call everybody else Negro-Pean, but you are the ones that are acting just like Europeans because you're judging shit based upon European standards of good or bad, or white or black, exactly. this or that. When and you get to a higher conscious level, you realize none of that shit is real. It's all no. illusion. It doesn't exist. And right. you only see color because you see light. And that prism of light is bouncing off of an object and it reflects whatever is being filtered out. So that's why you see color. But guess what, people? If you shut off the lights and you're in a room dark room, I'm talking about dark, where no light is coming through, no light can filter through, penetrate, whatever. You're in pure darkness. You don't know what color that person is in front of you. You don't know who they are or what they are. And that's how the real high, higher mind thinks. It doesn't think on the light comes out, so now I'm going to call it the script, uh, the the, uh, I start defining and separating and, and, you know, labeling. See, when you label, you you limit things. So you never no. truly get to the next level. So uh, in reality, cut the bullshit out and deal with your inner self and deal with uh, uh, really going deep in there because that's the real work. And if you don't do that, I don't give a damn how many candles you light. I don't give a damn how many circles you cast. I don't give a damn how many gods, goddesses, deities, energies, vibrations, frequencies you contact. Shit is only half working, if, if, if at that. That's you can right. delude yourself and say, oh, this shit is really working now. Shit, I could, believe, I could delude myself to think I'm a fucking, you know, god of pistachios. That doesn't mean I am. 
But the reality is when you do the work, then you'll start seeing what you're trying to accomplish effectively happening. Remember, I'm going to leave this last thought. All is mine. Mine is all. Everything starts within your mind. And if your mind ain't right, nigga, your shit ain't going to be right. I don't care how deep or spiritual you sound. I don't care if you want to float to the cloud galaxy numero uno. I don't care if you want to talk about R1 implants. I don't care if you want to talk about cyclophones. I don't care if you want to talk about uh, the 12th dimensional shift. At the end of the day, that shit don't mean a damn thing if your shit ain't right. Mentally and spiritually, if you're not right, and physically you're not right, you might as well hang all that shit up because at the end of the day, it doesn't mean a damn thing. I used to think I was deep. I used to use all that deep knowledge, trying to sound deep, talking about the dimensional shift, talking about the the green light and the vibrational frequencies and all this bullshit. At the end of the day, I realized years ago, I was still fucked up. Yep. I knew all that shit. I would study the hell out of that. We would study the hell out of, you know, uh, whatever. We would study green the hell out of... Ham. Nigga, you study green eggs and ham and shit. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you, you still fucked up. And it didn't matter huh. how deep you sounded. All that sounding deep was just to get panties anyways. Let's just be real. He was just trying yeah. to get the panties. And no doubt. And once you get past that and you realize that that shit is bullshit and you get down to real work, then you'll start seeing yeah. yourself for who you really are and then you'll really start transforming. That's right. That's, now, before you came on this channel, appreciate it, brother, but before you came on, it's funny because before Dr. Jewel came on earlier, this is what we were talking about right before she came on, and um, we exactly kind of what she went over, so I'm not going to revisit the whole thing, but we were talking about the same people still get into spiritual consciousness and they're still looking at it from a monotheistic mindset. And like you said, the most disturbing thing about it is we, we were talking about Seth, some call Seth, Satuk, whatever, again, whatever floats your boat. Um, but when you go back into the real origin and history of this deity, it was one of the most powerful deities of what it represented in Egypt, especially as I was talking about earlier with the opening of the mouth ceremony or the connection to the spiritual realm, for lack of a better word, or the spiritual abodes that one travels. There was an important connection with that deity. And like you said, it represents the inner workings or the deep, deep inner workings of the subconscious mind. But unfortunately, the individuals that lead those monotheistic schools of thought, like we talked about, and like you just said again, brother, um, they, they really still come into spiritual consciousness and they've turned Horace into their New Day Jesus now. Uh, you know, when the brother had sent me that email after seeing the, the pic, and we were talking about how images carry energy and how when one sees an image, the mind starts triggering thoughts of what it represents in that individual's conscious and subconscious mind. Some of that is is reflected in how they've been programmed because if we say certain words I used for an example earlier, if I say six-pointed star, I don't care how deep or how thorough you study, the first thought that's going to come to most people's mind is Judaism. And that symbol has nothing to do with Judaism. So if you want to reprogram the subconscious mind, you've got to really know the inner workings of what this represents. Because if I said six-pointed story and you thought about Judaism, then your subconscious mind ain't functioning at a full capacity. So this is what happens also in, in, in spirituality and consciousness when people see Set or they see the Set horror story. And as we said earlier on the show, 
this is a, a fictitious story that's been passed down in a multitude of cultures, whether it's the Cain and Abel story, it's the same story. Whether it's the Enkian and Leo story, it's the same story of the battle and the internal battle of the subconscious mind represented by a physical battle of two brothers, one being portrayed so-called negative and one being portrayed as good. And as you said earlier, brother, it just represented all of the bullshit, um, you know, being wiped away that whole set Horace battle, but people will automatically correlate it to a good and bad God and devil story, further confirming subconsciously they still not having addressed the impact that Christianity and monotheism has had on their subconscious mind, meaning it don't mean because you left Christianity two, three years ago, the impact and the trauma is wiped away from your subconscious mind. So it doesn't matter how many dashikis you put on or how much Egyptian musk oil you bathe yourself in or how many books you read on Egypt, um, your, your, your actions will portray where the mindset is representative. And I see this all the time. I just see people have gotten into Egyptology and they've sprinkled it with Afrocenticity to make themselves feel good. And, you know, Ra is their new Allah or their most high God. And then Horus is the new Jesus, etc. They've basically taken the Egyptian pantheon deities and they've turned them into uh, a modern day version of their monotheism because the mind can't vibrate past the capacity of this God concept. And, and, and you mentioned, very important, the first principle of the doctrine of Tehuti, mentalism. It's, it's in the mind. All is in the mind, and the mind is in all. These are archetype energies that exist in our DNA. And that's why I had asked Dr. Jewell, and here's where the real problem comes in. Um, when Dr. Jewell, if you, if, for those that were, or were on the show at the time earlier, when I had asked her about the second and third circuits of the brain. And she terms that in her research, as she breaks it down, individuals that are stuck on their personal ideologies. Let's talk about that real quick, and then what I'll try to do is finish up. Uh, we do have some calls on the phone. We'll see if we can get some calls on the phone. We'll try to finish up with that before we go. But she, she talked about people that are trapped on their second and third circuit are individuals that don't accept anything that doesn't line up their personal ideology. Now, this ties into why we were talking about what we were talking about earlier because I got a bunch of emails, and, and I know when I first put that up last Saturday, me and you, Brother Ron, I know we're laughing because I said, watch, I'm going to put these pics up and watch how all of the spooky-ass people respond. And lo and behold, like sheeps to the slaughter, everybody responded just how I thought they would respond before those pics went up. You know, I got emails, respect Horace. I mean, really? That's like a Christian saying, respect Jesus. So you're telling me in your mindset, you still look at Horace as a Jesus-type figure in your subconscious mind. You may not verbally admit that on the outside, but you don't have to. I can see it on the inside. So this is the whole point. Everybody just fell for the bait. The same thing with the Baphomet symbol. That went, oh, shit, that's satanic worship. Oh, that's the devil, blah, blah, blah because people don't understand what the full breakdown and the energies that that symbol represents. It has nothing to do with Satanism, devil worship. Because you read the book by Elias Levi, and that's where you got your definition of Baphomet from, because these are the same pro-black people that scream, we need to overcome the white man, but they think like the white man. Just like my good brother just said a minute ago, they still want to judge you according to the white man's standards because the same way the white man, when he doesn't understand how the melanated mindset works, what does he do? He labels it outside the box as being crazy. But we have conscious people that do the same to other conscious people 
because of the surface information that they've read, they think they got it all figured out. So as Dr. Jewell was explaining, those are people trapped on the second going into the third circuit of the brain because whatever doesn't line up what they think is to be true, they want to disregard it or have a problem with it. So I say to those people, I couldn't give two shits if what I say doesn't line up with your ideology. This isn't personal. We are not here to cater to your humanity and your human emotions and hold you in our arms and cuddle you and swing. Them days is over. This is for the big boys and the big girls. Put your big boy and big girl drawers on and, and, and let's move this to the next level and stop talking about trivial bullshit and over-intellectualizing physical nonsense that has nothing to do with our spiritual growth. See, if you're going to get caught up into the humanity aspect of it, and the emotional aspect of it, as my good brother said, you will never spiritually grow. You can burn a million candles. You can do a, a thousand chance to Horus when really you're, you're, again, using the mindset of going outside of yourself to connect with the divine. How do you connect with something outside of yourself? That is that spell of religion that they enforced upon us when they took away our magical systems and our ancestral systems. And I was talking about the drum. The reason why I had asked, also, Dr. Jewel, unfortunately, in the conscious community, you still have that light, dark skin shit. And, 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 and it had to be addressed because I literally get people sending me emails. If I'm more dark skin than, than somebody, that means I'm more spiritually in tune, right? Are you fucking serious? You even, you even took the time out to write me that garbage email? I wouldn't even waste my time answering that question. That, again, goes to show you somebody that's caught in the physical aspect of things, and you heard her break it down. She said that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if you are a, a light-skinned melanated being, because in the melanated family, we have the lightest of light, the high yellow, like she said, to the darkest of dark, to blue-black. It's how you make that melanin work for you. And I told you all before, I've gotten on the drums with people from all walks of life, people from Cuba, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Trinidad, et cetera. And I've watched some very dark-skinned brothers get on that drum and look completely foolish with no rhythm. And I've always stated for those that know me, you can't really teach somebody to play the drums. You can show them, but you have to have natural rhythm and soul that's in tune with the universe. Not some rapper that goes into a studio and presses a couple of buttons on a keyboard and makes a beat. That's not playing the drums. You have to have natural universe that your biorhythms of the central nervous system link up with the natural rhythms of the planet and the universe. That's how a good drummer plays the drums. And you can't teach that. It's got to be something, some type of natural ability there. Don't mean you can't sit down and show somebody how to play a, a, a rhythm or a pattern, but that doesn't mean they're going to be able to play it. Okay? There's a difference in that. So when we're dealing with rhythm, frequencies, um, all the aspects that are connected to it, that all has to be put into perspective, okay? So let's not get caught up in the humanity of shit because if you're a true occultist, and this show deals with the occult, it deals with spiritual magic, it deals with ancestral worship, that is the vibe on. If you, if you think you're, you're here to convert people, you're wasting your time. Don't send me, you know, a friend request. Don't send Ravana Noon a friend request. Don't send a Sargidi a friend request. And then you think you're going to convert people. That shit is hilarious. You're not converting nobody. Go to some religious Christian chat room, and if that's your goal, then so be it. This, this purpose is to teach and educate and inform people. And that's why, like I told you all, and, I, and, and the brothers that sent me some of them emails, a quick response, the post explained the information. And just because the information may not line up with your personal ideology, get over it. 
If you're offended, who cares? You, this isn't about you. This is about millions of people. This isn't about me. This isn't about Ravana Noon. This isn't about any of the guests that we have come on the show. We're just tools and vehicles trying to get this information out. And in that process, unfortunately, not everybody's going to like what you say, but it's irrelevant. We're past the humanity part of it, the emotional part of it. Um, if you're stuck in there, hey, you know, power, power to you. Hopefully you come up on out of that. But um, real quick, let's go, let's go to the phones. I know we've got a couple calls. If we, if we uh, plug you in and you're just listening, just say just listening. We're going to finish up with this for the next half hour. Um, if you do have a comment or a question, please make sure your phone is unmuted. Unfortunately, people forget to unmute their phones. Um, and I'll be calling people by state. If you didn't register a name, I just have you by state. So if you, if you hear the state or the vicinity of the area where you live in, just speak up. You will be the only one that can be heard. Let's go first uh, on the queue. Uh, got my uh, good brother Thoughts Alchemy. You're on the call. Thoughts Alchemy. You got a question or a comment? Um, no, actually, I mean, I'm just here listening right now. I was actually in the middle of cooking something, um, but, yeah, it's been, <laughs> but, it's been, but it has been a great show, and um, it's definitely, definitely interesting. All right, no problem, bro. Get your cook on, man. I hope it's something good, man. What oh, yeah, cooking, oh man? yeah, always. Uh, All right. Just a little some quick, some some avocados and rice and everything, you know, some light. All right, all right, all right. Sounds good. Uh, all right, appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it, brother. All right, let's go to my good brother Jack Charles uh, in Florida. Brother Jack, what's up, man? What's going on, brothers? Uh, great show tonight. It uh, sounds like you guys have some good topics. The question I have is pretty much for the people who are listening, you know, that are, like, pretty much caught up in that uh, religious mindset but not know it, how right. can one test themselves to know if they are in that mindset? All right, I'll give you my take, and I'm sure Ravana Nuno will give you his. Yeah, I mean, there's many ways. Obviously, we can do a damn a whole show on that. Uh, the, sad, the sad thing, like you said, Brother Jack, some of them are not aware of it, you know. But one thing I, I, I always tell people, if you listen to what I said earlier, pay attention to their actions. Pay attention to the verbiage they use. Listen closely when they talk. Uh, like, for an example, um, when that pick went up, when the brother sent me an email, respect Horace, that statement alone shows me that he looks at Horace like a Christian would look at Jesus. So what you have to do is address that because like we were talking about earlier, Ravana Noon mentioned it a couple of weeks back when we had Brother Panic on, like Brother Panic said, we'll use uh, his breakdown on it real briefly and then expound. Like he says, some people leave Christianity, but they never address the impact and the trauma that it had on the subconscious mind. So, you know, one thing I noticed is people's actions will, will actually be a clear, you know, representation to you of where they stand and how they think on the issue. Um, it has to be addressed because that would be what people say, well, how do I go into the subconscious mind and, and address things that I may not be consciously aware of that's blocking me? There's a perfect example. Because most of these people are going to say, oh, no, no, I don't believe in that Christian shit or I don't believe in that Islamic shit or that, or that Hebrew shit. But yet subconsciously, they are not realizing they still look at the whole spectrum of the information from that monotheistic mindset. Um, how you know real simple, too, is if anybody's trying to connect 
with finding the truth or connect to that divine consciousness or to connect to the energy of what these deities represent outside of themselves, then that shows right there that that's the number one thing you can know people are not getting it. Because unfortunately, people will get uh, statues, per se, of the Aruba deities or the, or the Egyptian deities and, you know, put them on their altar. And some even have prayers they offer up to these deities. My question is, how does that differ from a Catholic going to church and praying to saints and statues of Mary and statues of Joseph and Jesus? Um, it's the same concept. Though you may not think it, it literally is subconsciously the same thing. Now, at the end of the day, it all exists in the mind, as we were just saying a few minutes ago. And that's why we did a whole breakdown on the seven principles of Tahuti. Um, we were talking about earlier too, brother, and I think you were, on, you were listening, the doctrine of vibration, to eliminate that good and bad shit, that God and devil shit. When people, again, as we were mentioning earlier, the set and horror story, some people still correlate that to good and bad, God and the devil. Well, just as somebody can say on the surface that that represents the positive and negative forces and, and Horus represented the positive and, and Set represented the negative, if it all exists in the mind and is based on perception and how our consciousness expands and evolves, I can just simply come along and say, well, it also represents Satuka Set slaying the old ways or the old systematic way of thinking. That's the deep inner workings of the subconscious mind lashing out and eliminating all that's plagued us. You could say no because you've already been programmed with, on the surface from Caucasians, what Horace represents, okay? And these are the same pro-black people that scream, we need to stop thinking and acting like the white man, and they're still themselves thinking and acting like the white man. Now, I don't know if you want to add to that, Brother Ravana, no, feel free. Sure, just real quick, um, if if you are claiming to be conscious or whatever, and you still look at things as absolutes, as far as right, wrong, black, white, then you're still under a religious mindset. Remember, in our ancient systems, spiritual sciences, we looked at everything as holistic, all intertwined, all interconnected. Nothing was greater than the other. Nothing was lesser than the other. It was all interconnected, all beneficial. It was all in how you used it. And if you didn't use it properly, it can sometimes have a backfire effect. So if you still look at things in terms of absolutes and and uh, definite definitions and, and uh, titles and things of that nature, you still tend to be under a Christian mindset, Muslim Jew, whatever the case may be, because those religions are what tend to look at things as having to be concrete one or the other, uh, there's good or evil, there's all these things, and if you still claim to be conscious, but you still look at it life in that nature, then you're still caught up under a religious mindset. As simple as that. Whenever you start looking at things in that way, you're still caught up in, in that, that mentality of Christianity or whatever else. Sounds good. I like it. Uh, see, what I'm noticing now is like, it's really deep, but it makes like, like the hardest thing to do is to see somebody who's closed-minded and open their mind. It's like one of the hardest things to do. So it's like, you know... It's like a constant, like, you, you have to constantly just try to, like, t- chip at them, you know, to get their mind to open up. Cause right. 
really but what I'm understanding now. You said the key thing, their mind is closed. And always yeah. remember that. If their mind is closed, they are the only ones that can open it. <clears throat> I don't care how much we chip away at it. If they don't want to open that mind, it's not going to open. I'll That's give right. you a case in point. Some of us have families, you know, friends, uh, mothers, fathers, whatever, that we've been trying to chip away for 20 years or so. Doesn't work, so They still ain't open their mind. So what does that tell you? If they're not willing to open their mind, then they're not going to. We could chip all we want. So if if their mind is that closed, it's the best thing to do is leave them alone. And brother Jack, let me let me add this on that note. Not saying this applies to you. What I'm about to say, and, and I know I've had these conversations with you too, brother. Um, we also got to get out of our mind. This is not about saving people. Okay. This is not about going on, and I'm not saying that that's why you were asking the question, Brother Jack. I'm just speaking in general right now. Um, this is not about saving black people. See, some people come into spiritual consciousness because they think they're going to be the savior to black people. And then what they do, whether they're aware of it or not, they set themselves up for failure. Um, first and foremost, you've got to understand, like, like we were just saying, people are going to do what they want to do anyway, regardless. Now, you, if you've talked to people and helped them along their path, not saying you can't have some type of influence, but people only change when they want to change. You didn't do it. You might, you might have created the illusion you did, um, but that's not your job to save people. Your job is to teach and educate. And what people do with that information is entirely up to them. So as Brother Ravonna knew said, you know, we've chipped away for years. I mean, we, we know friends and family over the years, some that we talk to and some that we may not talk to anymore. Um, but what tends to happen is when somebody first comes into consciousness, you know, it's like that young, new spiritual warrior, you know, and it's normal. You're, you're revived, you're invigorated, and you think you can save the whole world. You think you're going to save your family, your friends, and, and, and you know, and everybody you run into on the planet. Uh, but then as one matures and grows in their spirituality, they start seeing the reality of that. That's just not the case. Um, the best thing you can do, and I always tell people this, is by your actions and the energy that you send out. So whether people agree with you or not, and, and I know my good brother Mike, who Seth Abner is still listening, this is kind of kind of tie, tie into your question you typed in, and I'll see if we can get you back on the phone as we go through the roll call. Um, I think your example, you know, sets the tone. So if people see uh, the way that you're living, what you represent, and you're actually a living manifestation of the information and the knowledge that you talk about. Now, whether they agree with you or not, they're going to respect you because they see that, okay, that level of information that that person is dealing with, they are a living example of it, and that information has transformed them into a well-rounded person spiritually and mentally, emotionally, physically, and financially. So the best thing you can do is by your example. But when you start getting into, that's why I don't get into the back and forth debate. I'm not going to debate with nobody about no Christian bullshit, about Jesus. Well, I, don't, I couldn't give a shit if Jesus was black, yellow, pink, green. Shit is irrelevant to me because it's not real. But unfortunately, amongst us today, we still got melanated people who want to argue over Jesus and the law. And they want to argue over Christianity is right and, and, and the black Hebrew Israelite doctrine is right. And then the Egyptologists want to argue with the black Hebrew Israelites that they're right. If that's your thing, hey, power to you. I couldn't give two shits about any of that because at the end of the day, it's irrelevant. And those are spiritual vampires that are sucking your life and your energy out of you. So I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get sucked into that useless debate in this day and time. Now, was there a time for it? 
Yes, there was a time back in the day for that. You know, there was, and now are there certain people that might still need that information? Yes, but there's a way to dialogue about it intelligently. But when it gets to the point where it's back and forth rhetoric and human emotions and humanity get involved in it, that's when it's time to shut the shit down. But if you want to hold an intellectual conversation, and this this will kind of tie into your question, Jack, and, and Brother Mike, um, we can have an intellectual conversation and agree to disagree, but that's about it. But right now, if you're an individual that's been in consciousness for a long amount of time and you're still talking about the black shit and the Jesus shit, then you, that, that's a problem because you should be well past that now. We're in a different day and time where nobody has the excuse. The knowledge is out there. The information is out there. We didn't have all this technology and social media and Internet and, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Now nobody has an excuse. There's nothing that we're telling you that you can't find out on your own. So you don't have an excuse. You can't say you don't know. You don't know because you didn't take the effort to find out. That you shut down your consciousness to just gravitate towards things that make you feel comfortable. And see, that's the problem with people. They get in the spirituality and consciousness, and then whatever makes them feel good and comfortable, they kind of stick with that. If it's the Egypt thing, you know, they want to be master Egyptologists, and everything is Egypt. Um, and like my good brother Ravana Noon said, you know, we dealt from a holistic aspect. One wasn't good or bad or one wasn't better or less than the other. It was all factored in. But nobody wants to talk about black magic and the highest spiritual arts. And that comes from us. Fuck coming from white people. You're programmed with that bullshit because when you hear black magic and the spiritual arts to show you how sounds and tones and words carry images, most people will start thinking about Satanism and Satan and witchcraft and, 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 and the white aspect and the surface aspect of it and Anton Levy and the satanic church, when you hear that shit, that just proves my point, if you do, that you still got the mindset of the white man. And these are the same people that scream that they, they are so anti-white. And people don't realize the, the mind fuck and the games that's being portrayed on their mind because they don't want to go to the higher level. They just want to stay in over-intellectualized historical bullshit that at the end of the day is irrelevant. I mean, who cares if we sit here and debate for three hours about the glory of Egypt as opposed to the, to the less glory of Christianity? I, I don't care. Now, if that's your thing, then that's your thing. I'll tell you. You understand? But that's kind of the best way you can address that, Brother Jack. Um, is by your example. That, that that would be my advice to you. So I hope that answers your question. Oh, it definitely did. Appreciate it. No problem, Brother Jizzle. We'll talk. All right. Bye. All right, Brother Ron. Now let's go to the next call. I'll try to see if we get a couple more callers. Um, again, if you don't have a question or comment, just say you're listening, like, like my good brother that was cooking up some grub. Um, and if you do have a question or a comment, just please make sure you unmute your phone. All right, let's go to the phone. We got East Maryland. You're on the call. East Maryland, you're on the call. Do you have How a question? How you doing, brother? Maybe. Good. We're doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I wanted to make a comment regarding, um, I was listening to her earlier talking about how the attitude of a person's melanin Right. Does it make the genes recessive? And yep. so, that in, in other words, you're saying that they chose to stay recessive? Yep. Is that what you were saying, that they actually chose to stay recessive for the yes. form of control? Yes. Let me, what she was saying, now, she, you can even pull up some of Dr. Jewell's older lectures. All right, for an example, you know how black people 
have programmed their mind that they think the sun is hot and it bothers them. So some black people don't like to be out in the sun, correct? Right. All right. So what she's saying is you you become your thoughts, and we've talked about that a multitude of times. So if you start thinking in the mind that the sun is bad for me, yes, your, your melanin can work against you. It can actually make you melanin recessive. So now what tends to happen is if you start thinking in your mind, oh, the sun is hot, it's going to burn me up, it's no good for me, it can actually, yes, limit, limit the full capacity of how the melanin operates. So in, 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 in conjunction with that, you have to factor in two different things. Here, here's an example. Like people that think like that, have you ever eaten or know somebody that's eaten uh, a, a heavy meal while they were in the sun? How does that usually make you feel? Sleepy and tired. Right. <laughs> oh, it's sick. And, and sick. And, or you want to get into a, a place that's cool that's not so hot. So right. that, that, that would be the inner workings of melanin working against you. Now, remember this. Melanin can take over 1,000 degrees of heat and lessen itself by 50%. So when you feel like the sun is bad, there's something wrong with that. Because if melanin can cool itself by 50%, that means within yourself there's something that's not functioning correct. So she's basically saying how she teaches that melanin is a manifestation of the electromagnetic spectrum, which is the thought field or the memory field or the apostic field. When you're formulating those thoughts, you're receiving those thoughts and sending them out. You can cut that off and block it, which in turn has an effect on your neural melanin and your neural melanin, your outer melanin. Yeah, all of your melanin completely, then. Correct. Okay, so I have one other one other statement too. I wanted to make. They were talking about you were talking about earlier how uh, melanin, how much melanin you have is, is not based on your color of the of your skin, whether you're light or dark skin. Right. And I was just looking at the perfect example to me would be like Brother Phil Valentine. Right. You know, I mean, I found right. him to be just. This intellectually stimulating, and he is very highly melanated from the information and his That's actions correct. of how he carries himself out. So correct. that was just a thought I was saying, brother. But I, I appreciate you guys, and I'm really enjoying the show. All right, no problem. We appreciate you calling. Okay, thank you. All right. Brother Ravonanu, anything you want to add to that before we take the next call, brother? No, nah, brother. I'm good. You don't want to break down melanin, brother? <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, and, and again, uh, before you came on, Ravana Noon, we were talking about, because I, I received another stupid email. Uh, I don't know if you heard me mention it earlier. Uh, literally, people want to, it just amazes me. And then when Wasar Gidi was on earlier, we were talking about this, how people literally fall for the dumbest shit. Um, so, yeah, just to put that to bed. Uh, don't think because you're light or dark, vice versa, that one is better than the other. It's how you're using the power of your melanin to manifest, you know, that that knowledge and that spirituality to work for you in a correct way. So it, it's irrelevant. But anyway, let's go to our next call. We got uh, on the call, we have Central Texas. You're on the call. Do you have a question or a comment? Anybody there from Central Texas? Going once. Going twice. Peace, peace. Peace, we got you, brother. Go ahead. You got a question or a comment? Yeah, is there a simple breakdown about candle magic I could start with? Sure, brother. Be, uh, Rabbi, I know you want to go first, and then I'll add something after that. Sure. Yeah, there's, um, there's, uh, one, uh, there's a couple books. There's one called um, 
uh, Advanced Candle Magic with Ray Buckland. And you can find that in Llewellyn Books. That's a pretty good book. Uh, it's a little more advanced, but it's still a good beginner's book at the same time. It's not too uh, complex. And then there's also another book called Candle Magic for Beginners, which is also on Llewellyn. Look up for that book. And that one is a real good book to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, two books I'll throw in this, uh, similar. Uh, these are really good books. The one Ravana Noon. There's also the first part of the book that uh, Ravana Noon mentioned by Raymond Buckland. I would probably start with Practical Candle Burning Rituals. That's his first book. Um, and The Magic Candle by Charmaine Day. Um, it's good concepts. Now, I want to throw this in there too, brother. Um, you don't have to do it exactly the way it is. Remember, there is no complete correct way to do it, you, you'll start to actually infuse your personal input in the rituals, and that's when it really starts to work because you'll be actually doing the magic yourself. So, you, do, you know, you can use these books kind of as a guideline or a roadmap to give you a general idea. Um, I think the most basic one out of all the ones we just mentioned, uh, basic in the sense it's real easy to follow, uh, The Magic Candle by Charmaine Day. She breaks down the colors. Uh, the planetary movement of the planets, um, specific colors to use for specific rituals, the type of oils that you can use to charge the candles, uh, certain uh, sigis or symbols that you can put on the candles to charge them, um, different rituals uh, for any different aspect, whether it's for balancement, spirituality, prosperity, uh, the list goes on and on and on. I personally am a, am a big-time practitioner of candle magic. And I can attest to the powers of it. It's very powerful. It works uh, when you really get and infuse your, your energy and your spirituality behind it. Um, but those are excellent resources. I would definitely start there. Um, there are You can go the intricate levels of it, but I think as you get grounded in the basics of it, now I'm not sure where you're at. You might practice it now, or you might be looking into practicing it. But I find that once you start putting your creativity behind it is when it really starts to work. Yeah, I have kind of sort of my own little method where I get in my zone, but I just trying to get a little basis of where to start from. But no problem. Yeah, no, that's that's good. But uh, always remember, never never eliminate your creative influence from it because that's the real magic is your is your creative influence from it. Okay, I appreciate it. All right, no problem, brother. Thanks for the call. All right, we got another call just from Texas. It just says Texas. Uh, you're on a call, Texas. Just listening. All right. Thank you for listening. All right. Let's go to Northwest Ohio. You're on the call, Northwest Ohio. Anybody there from Northwest Ohio? If your phone is muted, I'm muted. Okay. Uh, we can hear you. Yes. But you go ahead. We we got you. Hi. Hi, brothers. Um, How you doing? Really just listening, uh, LaShawn. LaShawn calling out of Toledo. Um, the brother I mentioned about candle magic, and I, I got the books, but what really helped me is the purpose of the candle mm-hmm. magic. Like, what's the bare necessity purpose of it, please? Thank you. Right. Uh, you want to go first, Brother Ravana? No, no, no. no, go ahead, brother. Okay. Well, the purpose <laughs> is what you have to get understand or lock in your mind. Um, eventually you get to the point where you don't really need any of these things. Um, but what they should be used for are just central focal points. Like for an example, um, it helps if you were doing, say, a, a ritual 
for spiritual balancement or prosperity. Um, green represents vegetation or growth. So you're focusing on the growth aspect of the color green. Uh, you're charging the candle with your own spiritual energy. For an example, um, the correct way to do it would be an oil that might be close or dear to you, something that you might wear on yourself that you can infuse your energy in it. That is transferred to the candle per se. Then you focus the thoughts on that candle for the specific purpose by invoking the presence of your ancestors and the deities. So it's basically just a focal point. Now, you can do also mental magic. We're just talking about candle magic. There's higher forms of magic where you just use your mind, where it's pure mental visualization that goes to a higher state. So basically, long story short, says it's basically just a system to enhance uh, spiritual magic. There's no, it, it can be used because it just helps some people to enhance it. It's not mandatory. Um, it's not necessary. It's just something that some people gravitate towards because it, inherent, it enhances the spiritual uh, experience. Um, it enhances manipulating the elements and the energy around you to transform their energy to work in your favor. And it all starts in the subconscious mind because it's not that you're going to light a candle and some magical uh, thing is going gonna, is gonna, to um, automatically change for you. The change that happens is you're charging that candle with the energy from the subconscious mind. So in essence, it's still you doing it, but it's just like a, you know, a baseball player needs a glove to catch the ball. Can he still catch the ball without the glove? Yeah, but it'd probably hurt. Can he still, um, you know, uh, field the ball without the glove? Yeah, but it would still hurt. So it's just basically a tool that's used to enhance uh, spiritual practices, and there's no, it's no mandatory. So that's, that's basically what it's called. So I hope that answers your question to some extent. It, it does completely. Um, actually, what I got from you was it, um, it's a form of meditation to kind Correct. of clear out the clutter is what I hear so Good. that your I got it. Thank you. No, no, definitely. Yes, that's sir. an Thank excellent you. way. No problem. Thanks for the call. But that's an excellent way to look at it. Um, that's another way to perceive it. And, again, like, like we were talking about earlier, Brother Ravon, um, there's no right or wrong way. You know, you do what works for you, you know, um, and, and, and again, it's everybody's going to perceive, you know, it on different levels. Not everybody's going to perceive it the same. So if we're talking about candle magic, color magic, mental magic, reprogramming the subconscious mind, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, we're not going to perceive it that way. But I think what we're going to do, brother, it's midnight. I think uh, we got into a lot of topics. Uh, I know we couldn't get to everybody's call tonight. Um, we appreciate Dr. Jewel Pukram coming on. Uh, for those that missed her, we couldn't keep her too long. She was actually out of the country. Uh, she's on a world tour right now. Um, she's in Africa tonight. She called from Africa tonight. She's traveling through Africa and Europe and be back in the States next week. And so she kind of she kind of just uh, stopped in. So we, didn't, we only had her for about an hour. Uh, but we'll get her back on the show. So uh, I know we couldn't get everybody to call in and talk to her. She was a little limited tonight. Uh, but we'll get it back on. Um, having said that, brother, any closing thoughts, brother? No, I have no closing thoughts. Uh, everybody just stay tuned. Uh, the next few shows that we do will be fire, so just stay tuned. You want to give your contact information, brother? No, I think they know it already. If not, it, well, you'll catch it next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, so just uh, to reiterate, uh, two upcoming shows, the next two shows we're going to be doing ourselves, uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, the occult, uh, magic, alchemy, 
uh, occult topics. Uh, we'll kind of be bouncing around, but we're going to go in depth um, and get in detail on some of these subjects uh, just so we can kind of expound. Um, and then uh, later in the month, we'll have Brother Panic back on. And then next month, sometime in the middle of next month, uh, we'll get uh, Dr. Bynum back on. And I'll receive some emails from people about his books. Uh, spoke with him a few days ago. We'll get him back on uh, early October. Um, so we'll be doing the next couple of shows. So we definitely want to see everybody tuned in there. Again, uh, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, the show. Just type in Awakening Universal Minds. Um, questions, comments, or just stay posted there with all the latest information on what we're doing on the show. Um, you guys know where to reach me, kanum19 at gmail.com, khnum19 at gmail.com, Mother Nubia Inc. on the YouTube channel, and Beniti Amon Ray on the uh, Facebook page individually. And no-nonsense emails. We will not respond to them uh, and nothing personal. And, and that's it is what it is. So we'll see you on the next week's show. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Um, have a good rest of the week going into next week and we'll see you next Thursday night. Peace. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.